0: is this thing on? Can you hear me?
1: Welcome to the Gravity Lift Podcast, a mostly entertaining and at times informative place where we get to chat about all the things we love.
0: Music and festival life, yoga and wellness, travel and adventure. We are your hosts, Jordan and Antonella. I love how yoga has brought so many unique individuals into our lives and today you know talking to Kendra was just another example of how you never know who is in that classroom in front of you and down dog and what's going on in their head and their heart and all the magical things they might be up to
1: yeah I remember the first time I met her she was so shy and quiet and just had this like calm demeanor and then I don't remember how but I found her on I think Facebook first um And she had this huge following and had all these crazy pictures. I was like, whoa, this girl's super talented.
0: She's so creative and dynamic and just a really loving, witty individual. Just... There's a lot going on there, and I I had a great time talking to her and getting to know her, and I feel like we could have let this drone on forever, but as we established, uh, she's got a lot going on and a lot on her plate, so I feel really blessed that we got as much time with her as we did, and we got to dive a little bit into her history, her love of video games and art and life in general.
1: It was cool to kind of delve into those things like Netflix or <laughs> not Netflix geez, Nintendo. Yeah. Um just hearing that story and hearing kind of how video games influenced her is, is really cool because we talked we've talked about this many times on the podcast, how the the thing I love most about it is getting to hear people's stories on a on an unfiltered level. And I felt like I got to know Kendra today. Yeah. I've, I've known her for several years. I've talked with her several times. We went and did that shoot with her, but either she was in student mode or mm-hmm. she was in work mode. And it was really cool to get to see who she was. Cause I've always been so curious on what's behind that that veil
0: well and now when I look at her art or experience her her exhibits, it'll be through a little bit of a different lens now that we know more of her kind of dark backstory as well as all of the things along the way that helped her create this amazing um, creative fire that she has and that she really executes so I enjoyed the conversation I'm excited for everyone else to hear it
1: yeah hopefully you all get a little bit of a inside scoop onto who she is and what she stands for and hopefully it changes your view on the art as well.
0: And inspires. Inspires.
1: Alright, well Kendra, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hi, thanks. Good to have you. (laughs) Good to be here. We we laid in the grass for you. We climbed climbed into lilac bushes for you. You did. Uh, We are so happy to have you here. So Kendra is an amazing artist. What style of art, what would you call that?
2: Um... Boy, that's always really hard um, for me because I kind of let my audience define my work to some degree, at least if they're going to describe it. You know, I like people to interpret it in whatever way they're going to. Um, I use the word surreal a lot. Um,
1: it's like magical other world.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, this is actually a really hard question for me um, because... Every time someone asks me, oh, you're an artist, what do you do? I do, I actually don't know how to answer that question because if I say photography, very specific things come to mind that don't really actually encompass what it is I do. But yeah, we'll go with surreal portraiture in nature, um, usually with one person, sometimes more than one person. And I like to create worlds with my images.
0: Yeah, so we've seen the f- the photographer side of it is you obviously are thinking way in advance when you're taking our picture and you're having us, you know, climb in these beautiful nature scapes, but there's something going on in your head of where it's gonna go. So after you take the picture with the camera, then is it a lot of um I guess computer manipulation that happens to make the image come to life the way it does? Oh, yeah. Uh, I do a ton of editing on my images. I mean, some are
2: less than others, but most of them I spend quite a few hours on. Um, And so when I'm shooting it, I'm already envisioning what I'm going to be doing later on down the road once I'm at my computer. But sometimes what I envision ends up being completely different from what I end up creating Uh, I kind of never entirely know, but I try to have a good idea and a good vision of it. And I attempt to recreate the image in my head into a format that I can share with other people.
1: So from our experience with you in doing one shoot, um, you come with an idea of what you want to do, and then you search out a location that you've already kind of pre-scouted a bit. And so you have an idea when you come into it, then... And then, oftentimes, you said your idea kind of changes. Does it change um, in the process of shooting? Like, do you do you see it unfold in your head?
2: Sometimes um, it really it's really a case by case basis. Yeah. It depends on the lighting, um, what the weather is doing, the uh, expressions and emotions of the people I'm shooting. All of those things factor in, um, and you know at at the um, drop of a hat I might have to completely change whatever it was I was trying to do like if it starts raining and I was expecting for it to be partly cloudy um, but oftentimes those abrupt shifts end up making better art anyway because I get a little looser with it and less controlled about it Mm -hmm. Um, yeah
1: how long have you been doing this
2: uh definitely five years I think maybe six years now which is super crazy (laughs) um but for me it, it I started experimenting at that time but it really didn't take off until I started doing um my 365 project which you guys have maybe heard me talk about before um I started that in 2012 so yeah I guess we are at six years Um, And basically that the idea of it was that I would take a photo a day every day for a year and I would share whatever photo I took on um, Facebook at the time. And I spent like two weeks prior to starting that project deciding whether or not I wanted to do it because I could just feel in my heart (laughs) that it was a really huge commitment. And if I did it, I was going to do it entirely or not at all. Um, So I spent two weeks deliberating, and then finally I was like, I'm just going to do this. And that, for me, was really where my art and photography journey began, because during that time, and the project ended up taking me a year and a half to complete, um, but over the course of that um, time, I just grew. I feel I grew exponentially, and in ways that I absolutely didn't anticipate, and it just... Blossomed into, you know, something completely different from what it began as. So.
1: And in the time when you were taking pictures, you know, 365 pictures <laughs> over the course of a year, <laughs> were you also doing um, complex editing through that time, or were you kind of just taking the picture, doing a little bit, or how did that evolve?
2: Yeah, uh, I. St- started out, I did edit my images, but it was very minimal because I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Um, I had Photoshop, and I had Lightroom, and I had, um, you know, an older camera that I had just bought used. I didn't even know how to use the manual settings on the camera. I... I just had really base Photoshop knowledge from high school that was ancient and dusty, you know. And so I was doing some editing, but it was very baseline. But that was o- over that course of time, I would experiment and I would start trying different things. And when you're doing something every single day like that, um, you know, the growth comes and Sometimes it's really challenging and painful, but it comes either way. So,
1: Was there a specific shift that you recall happening sometime in that process where you were like, now I'm really comfortable with Photoshop and now I really feel like I can create something beyond just adding some filters and layers to this?
2: There were um, There were a lot of turning points, but they weren't necessarily turning points I could see as they were happening. It's more like if I go back now and I look at that catalog of images, I can see where I had growth spurts. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I was so entrenched in it and it was so rigorous. And every single day that, you know, I kind of couldn't see the forest for the trees. I was just working. And but I would have moments where. I would create an image and I would have uh, created a, a new effect in that image. And I felt like I had done it fairly well, but also the whole entire time, because I felt kind of like a child just fumbling my way through I knew my images were repeatedly not where I wanted them to be if that makes sense. So I but I had committed to putting out each image so I'd be kind of embarrassed and putting out these experimental images with these edits that were not nearly where I wanted them to be. But that's another that's another topic entirely. It was just part of the journey. So are these Weird. all
0: up somewhere still? Ah, uh, are you yeah. hiding them? No,
2: they're they're <laughs> totally they are totally still around. Um, I've kept them up pretty intentionally because uh, I think it's I hope that it's cool for people if they really want to dig way back in history on me for them to see where I started and where I am now. Because then, you know, you can see, like, you can start with something you really have no idea what you're doing. And if you have enough passion and commitment to it, and if you're stubborn enough, <laughs>
0: um, it can turn into something a lot more. And that's all self-taught? Or did you find any tutorials or mentors along the way to help you get to where you are now? Because it's pretty amazing. Every every Thanks. time I look at your stuff, I'm, like, uh. blown away. I'm like, How? I can't even, yeah. Thank you. Um, I
2: had very baseline photography knowledge from high school. And we're talking like a thousand million years ago because it was with like a black and white film camera and we developed our own black and white film and our photos. So I had ancient knowledge from that that I was working off of. Um, And then... I mean, I will say it's self-taught, but there were times when there would be something specific I'd want to achieve in an image. And then I would go online and I would see if there was a tutorial or something. And then I would do the tutorial and, you know, and that was a way definitely to bolster very specific skill sets in Photoshop. Um, But also to answer an earlier question about Photoshop, even now I'm not entirely comfortable with it. It's such an expansive program there's 50 ways to do one thing any one thing so it's it's an amazing program but um yeah it's very daunting and it's intimidating too when you're new and you just don't know what anything is in there
1: that's what I feel about the program that we're recording this through right now is logic um <laughs> and it's uh, a digital audio workspace from apple and so it's a similar idea like I know how to record things on it and I know how to like mess around a little bit. But people make beautiful sounds and music with this all of the time. And that's still that part that I'm like, ah, oh, that'd be super cool to do. Like I know the, the basics of it and I can get my way around it and I can start to play around with things. But it's not quite that like, oh, my gosh, I can <laughs> I can uh, use it as if it were like a part of me. Um, and that's kind of the ideal someday.
2: You just need to do a 365
0: podcast project. Two <laughs> <Do laughs> a podcast a day. Right? We could do that. Yeah, Obviously, yeah, we wouldn't be able to coordinate the, with that many guests. But the I The tough it, thing
1: is like a podcast, <laughs> like I've got it pretty down pat. I, I've got it. I've got my template set. I can just oh, hit record. True. Everything's it's good. It's more about mm.
0: making music now, I it's, think.
1: It's more like, yeah, I would have to do like, a, you know, for music, come mm-hmm. down here 365 days out of the year and spend an hour Doing something, which is actually a really good idea, but yeah. if I can make I it recommend
0: happen, <laughs> an hour minimum. I would yeah, say seriously, probably more like two at least.
1: So, do you have anyone that you kind of were influenced by? Because I know one person was Kirsty Mitchell mm-hmm. that like you kind of uh, saw as someone important. Um, and if you could talk about her and then anyone else in your life that kind of inspired you for this,
2: yeah. Um She came as inspiration later on in my journey, Um, but uh, yeah, I found her so deeply inspiring because she was building these entire sets and these ornate costumes and, you know, telling these lavish stories with her images, and then she would also write a lot of journal entries to go with them. And her writing was beautiful as well, so that was really inspiring. And she lost her mother and then began working on her um, Wonderland series, which is, I would say, probably the thing she's most well known for. Um, And so kind of following along with her journey of loss and the beauty of the art she was creating through such an emotionally trying time was just incredibly inspiring to me. And, um, and yeah, and I found her when I'm trying to think if I found her after my 365 was done. I feel like it was either shortly after or just toward the tail end of it. Um, But actually, uh, two people that come to mind very early on before I started my 365 Alex Stoddard, um, who I'm now friends with, which is really neat. Um, that's And that's related to something else. But Alex Stoddard and um, Lissy L. Larkia, uh, the two of them were very young photographers. When they started doing 365s, I think Lissy was like 15 and Alex was 16 or 17. Wow. Yeah. And they both um, did these 365 projects and i i'm trying to think actually i had already started my 365 i'm digging so far back in history so (laughs) thank you for being patient with me um i had already started my 365 but i for the first 100 days i had been photographing nothing but like inanimate objects and Mm. up close nature and things like that which are great and I enjoyed it but I started getting really bored and I was like if I'm feeling bored how can I expect anybody else to be interested in what I'm doing and I just started feeling very you know like I was hitting my head against the wall with repetition and then I stumbled across um, Alex's work and shortly thereafter Lissy's work On Flickr, which used to be um, a really thriving photography community. I mean, it's still a community, but it was something very magical at that time. Um, And both of them were posting every single day their 365 projects. And on there, they were doing um, self-portraits exclusively. And I just remember seeing Alex's work and seeing these really incredible storytelling images and thinking to myself, wait. I could do that. I could create a story in my image. And I just, I don't know, just that thought alone kind of opened the floodgates for me. And I started doing self portraits, and that really just opened up a new channel for me. And all of this uh, very pent up creative energy from years and years of not doing anything artistic kind of just came flooding out of me and i just had idea after idea and that's sort of the space i still inhabit um yeah because yeah.
1: when we first met you uh what was that 2015
2: i would say
0: i have no idea I think it was
1: 2015 no. uh, yeah because i was running the front desk at the yoga studio i
0: met her before that <laughs> uh, yeah you did yeah You met me at the studio uh, right over here. Yeah, Yeah. balance. Mm -hmm. So that would have been... 2014. 2014 or 13. It was like when I went through my
1: training. Interesting. Yeah, right around then. Yeah, and by the time, I guess, I met you, and I knew who you were, because you would come in and I had to type your name into the system, so I knew who you were. (laughs) Uh, I don't remember how... But I remember for some reason, like I found you on Instagram, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" Right? Uh,
0: I remember, yeah, seeing that for the first time, being like, "Interesting," because yeah. in a yoga in a yoga class, you you only know so much, obviously, about your students, and especially the quieter ones that come in and kind of just stay in their little <laughs> yoga bubble. But you're always curious, and um, I know that we were curious about you with your different colors hair and, <laughs> and kind of. Um, <laughs> I don't know, far off looks in your eyes sometimes. And, um... <laughs>
1: and you also had like a dedicated practice. Yeah. You enjoyed yoga and it showed. There's a lot of people that do yoga uh, either to lose weight or like for their exercise. And there's other fad. people that like get into it. And mm-hmm. you definitely like could find your zone there. And that's easy to see as a yoga teacher. Yeah. And I was newly a yoga teacher. And then you actually went through your yoga teacher training mm-hmm. right after the, the one after mine. Um, yeah. So that's kind of our little backstory on how <laughs> we met. Uh, but yeah, what's uh, what's kind of your backstory further beyond your kind of three six five project?
0: How far back do we? Well, did you grow up around go? here? Jordan and I are both like.
1: Are you a Seattle native?
0: Local natives. Are you from this um, area?
2: Yeah, I I am. I'm from the Pacific Northwest. So, gosh, okay. Um, I was born in Mount Vernon. And then. That's where the tulips are, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was
0: born in the tulip fields. <laughs> Beautiful. Have you done a tulip picture project yet?
2: I haven't. I've considered doing some sort of self portrait out there, but it felt point. a little too on the nose. Yeah. So I've been kind of avoiding <laughs> too it. Too real. A little too much. Yeah. Um, But yeah, and then my parents moved me and I have an older brother, uh, two years older. We moved down to Southern California and I was down there for about five years. Then we came back up and lived in Anacortes, Lake Stevens, Mill Creek and then I've lived a whole bunch of other places, just kind of wow. <laughs> circumnavigating Seattle, getting forever closer and closer and closer and, yeah. closer. and now I'm finally in it. I'm in like the the armpit of Seattle because I'm in Pioneer Square. And it's, oh wow, yeah, it's it's real. It's real in there. <laughs> um, I'm actually moving next month. Probably I'll stay in Seattle, but I'd like a different neighborhood. I and think. did you it's move there for work? There. Um, to Seattle. Yeah. Mm-mm, no, oh, yeah, I, guess, I work. I in guess Redmond. their campus
1: isn't in Seattle. No, I moved.
2: Yeah, I moved there because I'd always wanted to live in Seattle proper, and I'd been living around it for so long. But I was really curious what it would be like to live in a city because I'm such a nature person that I've avoided it largely. But you know, I've loved Seattle for a long time, so I just kind of took the plunge and moved into this crazy old art building. Well, because we
1: came and <laughs> saw you at one of your art shows, which I believe was in Pioneer Square. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was that kind of a part of your deciding factor was the fact that you'd experience kind of the art district down there?
2: Mm, a little bit um, more than that. I think it was just I have a lot of friends in the art community that live in Seattle and I wanted to experience Seattle and it, I thought it might be nice to actually be physically closer to that support network um, because I've always been just – a pretty big loner and kind of living in a satellite world you know like in my little spaceship out in Redmond or wherever and then I would like travel in my spaceship to go see my friends. I, would, like, <laughs> I, like, I know Sigh. the feeling.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, that's exactly how we are. Where
1: we're sitting right now is our little spaceship
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah. we live
1: in a geodesic dome so it's kind of a spaceship as well so I totally understand the feeling and being a DJ in the nightlife I experience that all the time it's like alright time to go hop in the car and drive 30 minutes to my show instead mm-hmm. of like oh Uber's here finish drink real quick
0: yeah, yeah. Um, and we tend to only go to seattle if it's like 10 o'clock at night yeah because that's <laughs> to avoid all the traffic and stuff well and that's when his gigs tend to be oh, okay. is later at night so we don't, yeah we're not in seattle we don't
1: experience seattle during the day all mm-hmm. that often it's just kind of fun when we do um we've talked about that though we would love to if someday we could get some sort of an apartment set up or something mm-hmm. a condo not down to there. live
0: in but as a extra spot mm-hmm. like you if
1: know. we somehow you know skyrocket and get all the dreams and big things we want it'd be when? cool to like when yes when, <laughs> when we buy a, a condo or an apartment or something and you know airbnb it or whatever yeah, you do oh, cool, to have yeah. something um and then you could just stay there anytime you've got a gig or something that way you can still experience seattle and have like a home away from home mm-hmm. but you're still there we've always talked about that too like um if we've if we're traveling a bunch it'd be easier to just get a cab in and out of seattle rather than all the way out here to woodenville mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: totally but yeah I've been thinking really even broader than locally. I've been thinking fantasizing. We talked about mentioning dreams on mm-hmm. the podcast. So I'm mentioning one of my dreams right now. Put it out there. Very pointedly. <laughs> I really want to live in New Zealand at some point, like desperately. I, um, I traveled there about four years ago and I just completely fell in love with it. The landscape is actually, in a lot of ways, very similar to the Pacific Northwest. That's exactly
0: what we thought. Yeah, it's so
2: similar. Yeah, but more. But more. Yeah. Just more. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: (laughs) And then I loved the people as well. I found the people there to be incredibly charming and kind of, they kind of have a childlike quality to them, Mm. I think, because they're so, you know, remote. On that island down there, but in this way that is incredibly endearing and that I just totally vibe so with. So friendly. They're so friendly. Yeah. yeah and what
1: area of New Zealand?
2: Well, we'll, we'll
1: start with north or south.
2: <laughs> well, um, I was in Wellington, Okay. so I was on the North Island, yeah. um, so in my head, it's Wellington, but okay. I really need to go
0: back, and I know the South Island is insane, and I need to see it. Wellington would actually be my pick as well, because even though it's North Island, it's pretty much in the center so mm-hmm. you could hop like down south. south very easily yeah. or you could go up north towards auckland very it's literally
1: two hundred dollars to fly anywhere yeah. in the entire you can country. bop around really mm-hmm. easily is it, is it even a country i, I, don't,
0: I don't even think it was that much i don't even think it was that much
1: <laughs> yeah it i think was, it was
0: like half that
1: it was yeah
0: yeah
1: it was yeah. a lot of fun and i i think the south island was really cool for seeing a lot of really cool things, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, yeah. The, land the landscape, landscape was, was crazy. It was all over, just uh, absurd. But in terms of city life and people-wise, mm-hmm. I like the North Island a little bit better. Yeah. Just because it's that in-between. We mm-hmm. met someone when we were down uh, in Vegas yesterday. And gosh, we were in Vegas for one day. <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> uh, we met someone who was one of the <laughs> teachers there, and she was from New Zealand. And she was like, I would love to move back to New Zealand, but not quite yet. Because it, she was like, it almost felt like a step backwards. She's like, since Mm -hmm. I grew up there, like coming here and living in Vegas is this bustling city. You experience people. She was like, Seattle's like one of my favorite cities too. Because you can be in it and you can still have like, you know, 45 minutes and you can go to a ski range and you can go hiking and you can go surfing and like, there's all this stuff you can do right here. But then there's this hub in the center. Mm -hmm. She was like, New Zealand just kind of felt like too remote. Mm, It was that much tougher to get to. But so I think living in somewhere like Wellington or, you know, Auckland, you have close enough that you can be in that like environment of people, Mm -hmm. but still have your reprieve away.
0: Definitely. Yeah. We were there. How long were you there? Um, just a week. We were there two, three weeks.
1: Like two and a half. Two
0: and wow. a half weeks. That's awesome. And it was amazing. And Jordan's Mister ADD cram it all in. <laughs> and so, I would say like we did a lot in two and a half weeks, and we we, we saw a lot, and we Went did a like lot every of adventures. Yeah, oh, we that's did. That's awesome. Um, but I would love to go back for at least a month, and then even better would be to live there mm-hmm. for up for a stint. Um, what like we a noticed, work visa
1: or something where you can live there for six months to a year and just yeah. to experience it rather than like really setting down roots. Because mm-hmm. roots would be cool, but it's like there's so many places I want to go in yeah. this world.
2: Yeah, But
0: to each their own. But mm-hmm. when we were going from the South Island up to the North Island, each city we bopped through, we noticed how much it was very similar to like traveling from Northern California along the Oregon coast up into Seattle and then up into British Columbia. It felt very similar mm-hmm. uh, except for, like you said, just a little more. Everything was just like a little bit more enhanced. And
1: flipped upside down. Because if we're going north True. to get to like the, yeah. the bluer craziness, you flip it upside down because they're on the south and up, southern yeah. hemisphere.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was epic. And I, I can just like already see the art that you would create there
1: was a lot of cool art in wellington it mm-hmm. was a cool town
0: but imagine her brain and her yeah. skills like being in a place like that i picture her in like wanaka
1: or like yeah. Christchurch or queensland or something or queenstown oh yeah queenstown, queenstown i said yeah. Queensland mixed up uh just because of south island you go and have, have i guess we'll step to a different side a little bit have you ever been up to like vancouver canada and like mm-hmm. up in desolation sound and like that area
2: yeah well vancouver area mostly like
1: inside of vancouver island between vancouver island and british columbia because it's all kind of same Mm -hmm. uh there's just some crazy i guess fjords and whatnot of rivers that run all the way up and through and there's huge mountains that all of a sudden go down into super deep waterways uh and new zealand felt a lot like that on the south island where it's just like stunning landscape um and so i always kind of tell people who are like oh, I'd love to go to New Zealand, y- you've already been, but for people, like, I'd love- I would love to go. I'm like, dude, try to experience what we have here. It's so <laughs> easy for people to be like, oh, Seattle's cool and all, but, like, I want to go across the country or across the world to some mm-hmm. other country. I'm like, go north, like, five hours. And, yeah, like, go gorgeous. explore because yeah, yeah. it's pretty amazing and it's, you don't have to pay for a $1,500 plane ticket to get there.
2: That's a good point, <laughs> yeah. I do need to explore Canada a lot more. There's a lot I want to see up there that... I've just been itching to go check out, and I haven't prioritized it. But I, I agree.
0: Me too. We've done Whistler uh, plenty of times, but w- I haven't been to Vancouver or Victoria in a long time. And that, and even those, I've already obviously been to, but it's been a while. So I'd like to revisit them as more of an adult. But then, like, that's what three places out of all <laughs> like. There's a lot, mm-hmm. a lot up there, and and it's really not that far away to cross the border and go have and an adventure.
1: Canadians are so nice as I know, well.
0: I know you've
1: skipped out of America. So you get to a different <laughs> place entirely. The, the money setup, our dollar is about the same to Australia or Canada. So mm-hmm. like I'd recommend trying to dip up North a little bit and experiment. Um, have you ever thought about like getting some sort of a, a van and doing some sort of van life or do you, <laughs> cause that that's a lot tougher when you have a medium, like a computer that you have to edit images on and post.
2: Yeah. Um, I have some friends who've done that, actually, specifically bought a van and two summers in a row kind of went on a tour around America and up into Canada. And um, the format worked really well for them, and they did workshops and stuff. And maybe, but I think I'd get a little bit stir-crazy in a car that much, to Mm -hmm. be honest. Yeah. I don't know. I just... I don't know if that's the way I would want to do it. I like it. It sounds romantic in certain ways, but...
0: Um, when you have to really love driving. Yeah, and I don't. Like, I like sitting shotgun with my feet on yeah. the dash, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily love driving. So if he was like, if you're down to drive, babe, I'll do it with okay. you.
1: And that's the same thing yeah. with, like, New Zealand, too, when people are like, oh, I'll go down to New Zealand, it'll be this cool experience. Well, if you're going to go to a non big city in New Zealand it's gonna be pretty lonely and isolated anyway and you'll Mm -hmm. probably get a little stir crazy
2: yeah yeah, but. I'm okay with lonely and isolated. Just like okay.
0: driving nonstop for months on end does not sound super appealing. Yeah, we well, don't have to drive that whole time. Once you find a <laughs> spot true. that you're digging, you just hang out there. That's but true. But you're sleeping in the van. It's more of like ban- van life, where you're sleeping and cooking and cuddling okay. with your sweet dog.
2: Yeah, now I do like that because when I went to Iceland, actually, that was what I did. Ooh, um, I want to go to Iceland. Iceland was amazing. It was. It was. It was a life changing. Um, <sighs> trip for me for sure
0: we keep talking about that for a yoga retreat or something oh my gosh
2: do it okay do it really deal it's um it's incredible and um when I went I went with um one of my best friends Red who is an amazing painter and so we shot a bunch of reference images for her um paintings that she was planning for an upcoming gallery show and It was just really amazing to travel with another artist and we were in a camper yeah, and just cooking in the back of the camper and sleeping in there. And every time we wanted to go to sleep, we'd have to move all our luggage up to the front (laughs) seats so that we had somewhere to lay down, but it was, it was liberating doing that. I mean, it was brief. It was only eight days. But it was liberating to not be weighed down with all kinds of material things and to just be out there purely to experience the landscapes and to create art. Um I mean, I I wish I could do that all the time. But I also sometimes wonder if that was at my fingertips all the time, would it lose some of the magic? You know, when I have to work really, really hard to save up money to go do these things, um, somehow it feels more compelling and more of a payoff, you know?
0: I completely get that. Yeah. I completely get that. What? Where would you... Want to go? Like, if you could just pick a week or a month and go do a similar experience, is there any places in the world or even locally that that you're ready to just go be inspired by the landscape and the solitude? And
2: oh man, uh
0: there are so many
2: places I want to go. It's more like where do I not want to go? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how you <sighs> <we> feel. <laughs> yeah, um, I'd love to check out Scotland. I'm also really curious about. Thailand and Budapest and places over that way because I feel like I don't know personally very many people who've actively traveled Mm -hmm. over there and um, the culture is so intriguing and rich and deep and ancient that I'm really curious about that Um, but I think yeah I think Scotland I'd love to go check out I'd like to go back to Iceland because I did the southern portion of the island, mm-hmm. but I didn't do the full circuit. And then okay. there's the whole Highlands area, which is the inner um, inner area that I'd also like to check out. But you have to have a four by four and um, you can get stuck up there sometimes.
0: So that requires a little bit more planning. Where, yeah. where are your roots? Like you were obviously born locally, but what's your ancestry? Have you done any of that research? Uh, I haven't. I don't really know. I I'd like to say
2: I identify with Norse. Mm-hmm. Anything that would, Norse that would have been my guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, um, so I have this really awesome friend named Glenn. He's um, Swedish and he's a composer. And he actually composed. Um, I've done one short film, and he composed oh. the music for it. Nice. Um, And anyway, he was he was in Seattle recently for a concert um, that he composed music for. And he was talking about the Scandinavian skull shape. Have you ever heard about this? Okay, I hadn't heard about it either. But apparently um, if you feel in the back of your skull, um, kind of above the nape of your neck, if there's Mm -hmm. a little nodule there. Mm hmm. According to what he said, I should probably confirm this, but um, (laughs) it's pretty much guaranteed that you're of Scandinavian... Or Norse descent, oh, interesting. and so we had this. We had this moment because he he has a really prominent one, and I felt the back of my head, and I have one, and I was like, "What the heck?" And then I was like, "I just thought that was how everyone's skull was shaped." But
0: then um, I do not have a notch. Yeah, so, and my
2: buddies yeah. um, Cassie and Adric were there, and and you know they felt the backs of their heads, and they didn't have it. So yeah. I was just mystified, and then I was like, "Oh my gosh, I know something about." My ancestry kind of now, but not really. but I should I, I'd like to do one of those, um, where you send in your blood. And...
0: So <laughs> Jordan got my me one and his sister one for Christmas. It was like a 23 and me ancestry kit, and you just spit into a little vial, and then mm-hmm. you send it off, and okay. they send you an amazing amount of information and it's accessible through this really interactive app, mm-hmm. which is really nice because you can kind of click on the different percentages of what you are and it zooms to that country and tells you the history of it and stuff like that. And um, I don't know, I've always known that I was hundred percent Italian, but when you, just because both of your parents were born in Italy and their parents were born in Italy doesn't necessarily mean that you're 100% Italian, right? Because somebody mm-hmm. came from somewhere to get there at one point. And so it's interesting to see the smaller percentages of who I am and where those came from. Um, and so I just think anybody who's in touch with their creative and artistic side, I, I don't know, I would think that you would at one point want to know what that is and then go be in that space and see mm-hmm. if you feel this connection. We were just in Italy for a couple weeks over the summer, and I've gone there before, but it was when I was a lot younger and it was just in a different point in my life. And there was a lot of drama around that trip with toxic family members, uh. um, so it was like a hard experience for me the first time. So going back now with him and a great place in my life, it was. Really comforting and surprising how much I felt like I fit in to a place that I don't live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone knew how to pronounce my name. Everyone wow. knew how to spell my name. Um, a lot of people assumed I like would just start speaking Italian to me because I think they just assumed that I was native, you know, and so there's just like a, a lot of these things. and then looking around and seeing uh, like I fit in physically. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of people who looked a lot like me who had similar body types. And um, yeah, it was just there was something really nice about that. Like right now where we live, like if, if we're putting our name down in a restaurant, for example, I always give Jordan's name. I say, oh, Jordan. <laughs> and then we were there. and <laughs> I can and, relate to that. Right? Because yeah. I don't want to deal with like how to pronounce it or how to spell it. And so I just, oh, yeah, I'm sure you do with an unusual name. Um, but there it was like, oh, yeah, everybody knows how to say that and spell that so it was really nice and so I could see that and I felt very inspired there and I'm not even a visual artist you know Mm -hmm. but I have obviously creativity in other ways but I felt very inspired there and so it would be cool for you to tap into I don't know where your history is and go go just be in that space and see what comes up for you
2: yeah yeah no I think that's a I think that's a really cool idea um, one that I have not explored.
0: One well, who knows, maybe you have some I- Icelandic in you and maybe that was why you felt so connected there. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me just
2: because, <laughs> yeah, I felt so happy there. Oh my goodness. But it's kind of hard not to feel happy there because it's stunningly beautiful and you're on vacation, so.
0: It's so it's interesting that you different. ended up in Pioneer Square because <laughs> you are so in touch with nature and beauty. Yeah. And, and and But I guess I could see that just kind of wanting to be somewhere that's in its own way probably really beautiful, but just in a more industrial and dark and raw kind of way, but mm-hmm. not necessarily in this beautiful landscape. <laughs>
2: yeah, I I mean, largely it was because of the building because I had multiple artist friends living in that building, and um, I wanted to experience Seattle. I knew there was a space that was going to be available there, and um, I wanted to kind of get a sense for what it might be like to be in close proximity to other artists living near them Mm -hmm. because that was just something i hadn't experienced yet and that aspect of it was incredible um and i say was because at this point actually everything's kind of um my buddy red who was my next door neighbor in the building um ended up moving out last spring um which was, you know, really hard because, I mean, I could hear her playing flutes mm-hmm. at like 11 p.m. because she decided she was going to pick up flutes, you know, and I could hear it through the walls and I could hear her playing just music while she would be painting or her documentaries. And I found that really inspiring because even if I was, you know, maybe in a bit of a creative rut or not working, if I heard her working, it encouraged me to do something. Um so anyway, but she moved out, and then her sister, Roxana, who is a classical singer, um, she practices constantly, and I can just hear her beautiful voice filling the halls oh, wow. of the building almost every day, um, and then um, my buddy Adric, you know, he'd be, like, working in his space and playing, you know, loud music while he worked, and so anyway, um, that was a very large part of why I moved was to be in an artist community and to just get to experience that because I knew it was kind of a rare opportunity. And now, um, Red's moved and I'm going to be moving out and, um, Adric's likely to move out and now Roxana is also going to move out. So we're all kind of going different directions. So I am glad I did it, but I will say, um, it's been really hard on me. Uh, just you know, there's a serious homelessness problem in Seattle that <sighs> is heartbreaking, and it's really hard um, not to feel kind of helpless to it in a lot of ways. Because mm-hmm. it's like, as as an individual, there are things you can do, but but your scope is somewhat limited. You know, when the problem is so massive and just seeing it every day and feeling every single day that kind of helplessness is um just really gut wrenching for me because you know I'm I'm a very sensitive person (laughs) and then on top of that just I don't know kind of the filth of humanity at times is a little rough too just Mm -hmm. the way that people treat the earth and especially when they're in a city it's almost like they feel more inclined to litter or to just
0: P on the side of a right. building. Someone or... else already did it, so I might as well. Kind mm-hmm. of thing. I was just reading. I'm finishing up a Malcolm Gladwell book called um, "Tipping Point." Have mm-hmm. you read that book? No, I haven't. There's a. Gr- it's have. Have you read any Malcolm Malcolm Gladwell? I don't know. So his format. But the, na- the name's familiar and the title's familiar. Yeah. So the format, especially in this one, is um, basically explaining. How certain phenomenons happen, and using a lot of uh, history and data and storytelling to kind of show the tipping point of whether or not something becomes a trend or um, how to change things. And so that particular thing just made me remember the part about them wanting to change the crime in New York City and that by starting with cleaning up the graffiti, which is a tricky subject for me because I do see some of it as art. Mm -hmm. Um, But basically by cleaning that up, um, it started this shift and this change and this trend towards less crime. Because if you're seeing something being degraded or devalued or not respected in your atmosphere your climate over and over every day then it starts to create habits and behaviors that are also kind of at that level of being you know versus leveling up saying i'm going to clean this space up and so they started to basically have this rule of like there will not be graffiti on the trains and so that when they would take the trains off rail at night If they would get there in the morning and there was graffiti on it, they would leave it and that train wouldn't go into service. And if one got graffitied on during service, they'd pull it out. And so there was just always this changeover happening. And then slowly the crime rates went down by huge percentages. So this is all very statistical writing. And he's got all of this in here. And um, it was similar in respect of the turnstiles. So, like, when they started to finally crack down on that dollar twenty-five or whatever that people weren't paying, like, they were skipping through it because they saw someone else do it. Mm-hmm. Um, once they finally started to crack down on that, uh, the, it, the amount of crime changed drastically. And so, it's this idea of if someone else is doing it, right, there's this idea that it's easy, you know, it's like, well... If that guy peed in the corner, then I might might as well pee in the corner. Mm -hmm. If that garbage is already there and I don't see where a garbage can is, then what's, you know, what's it going to hurt for me to do that? And I think for us who are a little bit more like-minded in the respect of like what (laughs) why would you ever think that's okay yeah Um, but there's just a lot of people that are very affected by their surroundings in the opposite way of you are for you it makes you want to fix things and change things or perhaps move to a different place where it doesn't weigh as heavily on your heart and for other people it just becomes this way of life because that's what they're seeing Mm -hmm. and so then it's they start to emulate that type of darker behavior and Yeah, the the homelessness problem has always been really sad and stressful for me personally, just because I have dealt with that um, with family members and loss and just knowing that so much of it is just a lack of resources for mental illness Mm -hmm. and that it doesn't have anything to do with them not being able to, you know, get a job. Yeah, exactly. uh, They need help especially in seattle yeah it's just and then the amount of self-medicating going on and drugs and mm-hmm. it's really sad so yeah i can imagine that it would be hard to live in the city because just when we're bopping over there for his shows and stuff i mean obviously we're there at night so you're seeing kind of the worst of it at night but it can be really uh, emotionally draining to see that over and over mm-hmm. and like you said not being able to really know how to how to help or how yeah to create change
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's just heavy and it is very draining and I just have a hard time, um, putting my shields up and turning a blind eye to it. So instead I just feel kind of constantly drained by it bit by bit. And, um, that's just not, you know, that's not a good space to be creating from. You can create from that space and you will create, interesting and provocative art, I think. Um, and for some people it's, it works really well, but for me, it just kind of disassembles me and leaves me feeling, um, just like completely depleted. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to find just a different living situation where I can be, I told my friend somewhere where I can just put my feet in the dirt every day mm-hmm. like, even if that's just a little patch of dirt right outside my front door that's fine I just want to be able to feel the earth on my skin you know I want to I I can't stand walking out and there's just pavement everywhere you know it's, I
0: forget that because we oh yeah goodness. we have so much grass and dirt around us to the point that I catch myself complaining how often I have to sweep my floors because I'm like there's so much dirt in here all the time <laughs> but I guess that's yeah if you're walking from car to concrete to building mm-hmm. you're, you're really missing that i'm sure
2: oh yeah yeah definitely and then i um commute to um from seattle to redmond for my day job which
0: um Can... i actually love my day job yeah tell me a little bit about that and and when did it start and what do you do i know a little bit but
2: um, so I work at Nintendo, and I'm a writer there, so I work on um, the text that goes into the games, basically. Hmm. Um, And I've been there for 10 years, which is, like, super crazy. Wow. Yeah. Wait, how
0: old are you? Will you say how old you are?
2: Yeah, I will. I'm
0: 34. Oh. Yeah. I did not know you were in your 30s. Yeah,
2: I'm going to be 35 um, next Thursday, I think. Is it next
0: Does to, that mean yeah. you're a Virgo? I am. Oh my gosh, the amount of Virgos that we have in our life that are so freaking creative and <laughs> amazing and dynamic. Oh, cool. interesting. Cool. Yeah, I'm a, a Virgo Sun
2: Pisces Moon, which is like really weird. It's... I am also a Pisces
0: Moon. Are you? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And my son's a Pisces Sun sign. Oh, it's actually cool. interesting because I'm an Aquarius Sun sign, and then my Moon is Pisces, which mm-hmm. is my Sun, and then or my child who is a son that gets confusing and then my rising is cancer which is my daughter oh so I wow. think it's really funny that my two like dominant ended up yeah, are, my, are my kids children. Yeah, that's that's
2: interesting <laughs> wow well then you probably have a certain understanding of one another at least yeah and definitely way.
0: and I love Pisces I love the heart and yeah. the soul of the Pisces and actually there's been times where I've always been kind of like a bit standoffish with Virgos because they can be so intense but I would never have guessed you're a Virgo but yeah. I think it's because that well, what's your rising though my rising is Libra oh which I also adore so yeah. that makes sense cool okay
2: yeah um yeah, I I struggle with the Libra aspect because it's just like the whole indecision
0: mm-hmm.
2: thing is very real for me. I mean, whether or not <laughs> whether or not like a person buys a new astrology, <laughs> I'm telling you, the Libra indecision thing is so real. <laughs> like, holy crap, I just struggle with decisions. But um, but yeah, I also really like Pisces a lot. Um, I would. I would venture to say that's actually my favorite um sign of all of them because it's just you know it's deeply emotional mm-hmm. and they're they're such dreamers and highly creative and highly intuitive and um so I'm I'm grateful that that's in there to balance out the Virgo aspect because I <laughs> I like things about my Virgo nature because it's it's what gets me to work it's
0: what's kept you at nintendo for 10 years yeah it is (laughs) it keeps me keeps you driven in that mm -hmm. way
2: it keeps me grounded and um you know the virgo nature is very analytical very critical thinking um and really good at getting to the crux of a situation without being distracted by you know the more emotional aspects but it's interesting too to um Tutu to, to have a Pisces moon and then a Virgo sun because they are just polar opposites. Right. So there's this crazy dynamism that I'm grateful for, but also a lot of inner conflict. Like kind of all the time. Turmoil. Uh, yeah. It it often feels like I have two people living inside of me where one is kind of the responsible adults that's like, We gotta do this stuff, otherwise, like nothing's gonna work. And then this very childlike emotional highly intuitive part of me that's like yeah but I want to run over here you know
0: (laughs) and so it's um it's interesting it's an interesting combination so I totally got you on the astrology side subject but before we stray back (laughs) over to the Nintendo side Mm -hmm. Jordan's not here because he's picking up my Pisces son but Jordan's also an Aquarius and so having a two Aquarius relationship is really interesting because if you just go off of the sun sign and what you read in the sunday paper like you would think mm-hmm. that we would be very similar and we are very similar in a lot of ways but then when you get into our moons and our rising those are very different and mm-hmm. so that and and that's where My daughter actually is the one that kind of got us into this because both of our Aquarius minds has always been like astrology's horseshit. You know, Mm -hmm. it's so general. Like you can apply it to anybody or anything. And then once my cancer daughter came in was like, here's your chart. Here's what all of this means. Here's how you guys work together. Here's how you don't work together. These are your challenges that you might come. And then we were like, oh this mm-hmm. is way more specific and pretty spot on like I yeah. don't think I've really come across anything that I was like man that doesn't really apply like it's pretty much
2: yeah spot on. that was that was my experience too where for the longest time I was just like oh whatever this is such a bunch of crap like same thing like oh what a bunch of horse shit like whatever um but I would notice certain sim- similarities with you know the Virgo um aspect but I didn't know about all these other things and um, bit by bit I've been kind of digging into my natal chart and seeing it does get so specific and so unique and it, it's like a thumbprint, you know when you really start looking at all of it and I don't know I don't know what the deal is with it but i will say once i started digging into it it got kind of eerie in certain ways where i was like all right now i'm just kind of uncomfortable and i i'm still a little bit embarrassed to admit that i'm buying into this at this point but yeah i don't know there's definitely something to it whatever that something is and if this is the language we need to use we have this
0: app it's kind of cheesy but it's called costar and if you have your friends put in their birth time and place and stuff then it and then you guys all find each other mm-hmm. it it aligns your charts together and then it gives you different areas that are like You guys win at these things. These are like really easy. These are things that are like whatever, neutral. And then these are things that you're going to hit challenges. Mm -hmm. And what I really like about it is less so much of using it to determine if I should have a friendship or intimate relationship with that person and more so as a tool to say like, oh, this is literally innately how the stars align to create this being. Mm -hmm. So the shit that's happening right now has nothing to do with me and Mm -hmm. I don't need to take it personally and it's not my stuff. And, and it helps me kind of like when we have our challenges, I'll look at Jordan's thing and just be reminded that that's just literally who he is mm-hmm. and this is who I am. And they don't always match up and just to be compassionate towards that. Jordan, by the way, is back. Oh, hello. Welcome everyone. back. We're talking about astrology. <laughs> <Welcome back. laughs>
1: the eagle has landed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what What is your, do you recall what your moon and your rising is?
1: Uh, Isn't is my rising Leo and my moon is, uh, I don't remember what my moon is. I want to say like. Sagittarius or something
0: something like that moon is
2: a moon is an important one yeah because that's your emotional landscape
0: Kendra is a Virgo Ah, and so okay. is Darius and Virginia yeah. are like uber creative people and then her uh, moon sign is Pisces which is Jackson Jackson. and yep. then her rising is Libra which is Kaya, which we, I always like compare it to people that I love in my life. I'm Aww. like, oh. yay. <laughs> <laughs> That's those people. Yep. I was right. Leo and Sagittarius. Sagittarius. Oh, okay. okay. Cool. Well, I would say that we're all very compatible. Yeah. I think so. But we got very you just sidetracked. Got
1: a, like she said, get this app and then you'll see.
2: We
0: I ta- know, I we were, do I we were do s- want to pick Starting up that to go app, down no. to the path of Nintendo and then we got totally <laughs> sidetracked. I know. I don't, <laughs> don't even know Nintendo how that happened. Because you said your birthday was next week and I was oh, like, Oh, yeah. you're a Virgo. Ah. So let's go back. So you're saying that you're a writer for <laughs> Nintendo. So uh-huh. does that mean when I'm my son is showing me a game and he's like, Okay, mom, and then you press this button and then these people start talking to each other and you can read it or you can just click this button and then fast forward through all the language. Mm-hmm. So are you writing all of those conversations? Um, so this is actually a bit
2: of a spaghetti topic, but um,
1: did you go over spaghetti? Not
2: yet.
0: Okay. So Kendra's safe word is spaghetti.
1: I think yeah. we're gonna. I think that's gonna be a regular thing. I think it we're gonna be. start putting a safe word in every episode, at least of season two. <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll let you know the safe word before the episode starts. Yeah, spaghetti. So not just like
2: all right, it's we're spaghetti. talking spaghetti now, people.
0: So that just means this is a topic that you can't quite divulge fully yeah, at this I, point, and that's totally fine. Yeah, yeah,
2: but. But, um, I will say,
0: yes, okay, kind of kind of, yeah, perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, And you've been there for ten years. Mm-hmm. yeah, and has that job or your role uh, evolved a lot and changed a lot?
2: Yeah, I actually started out as a contractor um as an as a contract editor, and I did that for the first three years, and then um, got brought on um, full time as an editor. And then I just recently got promoted to writer. So that was really exciting for me and was a thing I'd been wanting for quite a few years. And it just the stars hadn't quite aligned. Um, So I'm pretty stoked on it. Um, That said, I, you know, I, there will there will come a day when my my little wings will spread open and I will fly elsewhere. And it's not a secret that I keep from anybody. I mean, you know, as an artist, I just feel that compulsion to to go and be and do. And also,, um, I got my yoga training, but I haven't been fully pursuing it just because my plate has been so full with so much. But someday I would love to be able to. Travel, um, travel, teach yoga and do my art, you know, and just kind of be a free little, I mean, I I personally,
0: you could go do that right now whenever (sighs) you want. It's a matter of just making it happen and Mm -hmm. figuring out the logistics of it. But there is something nice about having you know, your job at Nintendo and having a, a home base right mm-hmm. now. Is there, um, a culture there that you, that is really coming I mean, to stay at oh, a job yeah. for 10 years. There's got to be something there that you, you're really enjoying besides the, the p- punching of the keys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an incredible place to work. Um, the people that
2: work there are like family. And I do mean that, um, especially in my department, just, everybody's really close. Um, you know, people like each other, they hang out with each other outside of work. Um, it's just a really tight knit and awesome community of people who deeply care about what they're doing and, um, working on games that bring smiles to faces as cheesy as it sounds is honestly really fulfilling. And I, I love it for that. And so, um, those are the things that have kept me there, even though I don't really consider myself the best candidate for, you know, a, a nine to five kind of job sitting at a computer, um, just because of just the way that I am. But, um, for those reasons, um, you know, there's the stability factor too, obviously, but it goes a lot deeper than that. Um, and yeah, and so I, I love it for that. But... Did
0: you go to school for this type of position, for this type of role? No.
2: No? I didn't. Um, I just, when I interviewed for the contract position, I was very adamant um, in the interview because I knew I had a strong English skill set, and uh, I just did tons of reading as a kid. I was like a total bookworm, and it benefited me greatly because I, I have a knack for... For grammar and that kind of stuff. And so when I went into the interview, I was a very determined to get a job in the video game industry and be very um, convinced of my own capability to do the job that they were pitching to me. And they had um, the position open for only two days. And over 400 applicants, Whoa. and me and one other person got it. And but I'm, I mean, the person interviewing me was because I didn't have my bachelor's degree; I just had my associate's degree. And uh, she was very much like, "Well, if you don't get this job, then would you like to be a game tester?" And I'm like, "No, because this is the job for me. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, this is the job for me." And I, you know, and I don't think I approached it in, in an arrogant way. It was just like a self-assured, like know this is the right fit i'm telling you this is the right fit kind of thing and it it worked
0: so that was really cool and why were you so driven to work in the gaming field were you into video games or oh, yeah just, okay yeah yeah Back in the day uh, video
2: games really meant a lot to me. I, mean, I shouldn't say back in the day They still do they still mean a lot to me. I just don't play them as much anymore. I still do play um, I absolutely play our titles. I'm not gonna act like I don't cuz I do but um, with the art and everything else I'm doing it's a little harder to make time for it outside of work, but um, growing up Video games were honestly, video games, art, and books were kind of the things that helped me survive a very tumultuous childhood, and um, those games were just an escape for me, and knowing the impact they had on me in a very deep and real way made me very much want to get into working at a video game company and what better company than nintendo because right are
0: there any titles that (laughs) kind of stick out in your mind from when you were younger that when shit hit the fan you would go running to and say i'm gonna play this game you want to go down the video game path yeah okay okay all
2: right um absolute favorite game uh chrono trigger have you guys heard of it played it okay yeah it's a super nintendo it's got an amazing soundtrack it has an incredible soundtrack the storyline is really interesting the characters are well fleshed out especially for the time the graphics for the time were really awesome and um yeah it was an an rpg which is a role-playing game so it's story-based and character-based and um You know, you battle monsters, but it's – I don't need to get into the technicalities. It was just an amazing game, and um, I played it when I was 12, so it was, like, the perfect age to play it. And um, to this day, it's just, like, a cult classic. Like, so many people, you know, my age and older will be like, oh, it's my favorite game ever, you know. Um, But, yeah, it just – it helped me through a very difficult summer, and um, yeah, I would
0: absolutely. So play were you? It stuff. sounds the way you described it sounds like reading a book. So would you? Were you reading books that were of similar nature, where you're going on an adventure and you're battling things, and were they uh, very story driven like that? Yeah, I did read a lot of fantasy books and a lot of sci-fi
2: as a kid. And just all kinds of weird books that I I wish I could find now because they were so bizarre, but I don't I don't remember the titles or even the entire premise of. But um, but yeah, I read books like um, A Wrinkle in Time Mm -hmm. and The Hobbit was my favorite. Not surprising, you know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So I think most of what I read as a kid was very much also escapism. And then as I got into my teenage years, I got really obsessively interested in psychology and reading all these books on just different disorders and things like that. Um, cause in my, um, mom's side of the family, there's a lot of mental health issues. And so I just had an interest in that
0: and started diving into that. Can you dive a little bit into right. what you were escaping?
2: I have, um, I have questions.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh <laughs> sorry i want to go there i want Dominant, to go there in a second
1: hair. we can to- we can totally I, go there. I had more questions about video games oh, you're, trying, sorry. you're trying to <laughs> steal away from the video game topic we this, gotta is, go. this is my oh. landscape okay <laughs>
0: do it, do it.
1: uh have you read ready player one
2: i have not um but i watched the movie recently but i, I have know not that's seen not...
1: the movie uh i'm in the middle of reading the book for the first time mm-hmm. um this event that we um uh, that I played last Thursday, um, and that we're good friends with the people with it. We're gonna have Mark on the podcast tomorrow, and he throws the events. But uh, he set up a library. At Q nightclub, mm-hmm. and so he, just books that he had people donate, and then he just sets them up, and you can rent out a book. Mm-hmm. So I just on Thursday was scrolling through the books and saw on,
0: like checkout process with the little. It's a card library. Inside. Oh yeah, I it's love Very it. cute. So Aww.
1: I saw Ready Player One, and I was like, I have the movie downloaded, but I've never watched it. Like I would yeah. love to watch it, but like her son was like, hey, it's super cheesy, it's kind of ridiculous and overdone. Um, and it so is, pick, but it's
2: fun. So I but, picked a book yeah. up,
1: and I'm like almost <laughs> done with it after like two days of reading it because it's great. yeah I'm loving it you did Um, it the right
2: way I wish I had done that (laughs) dang it and
1: it's just cool uh, because I spent a lot of time playing video games as a kid. Like I grew up with Super Nintendo. So mm-hmm. I'm a little bit younger than you, so I don't quite have the eighties the pop culture. Yeah. And that's what's really interesting about Ready Player One is it's all based off eighties pop
2: culture. Totally. And yeah. so
1: he brings up a lot of cool stuff that like I've heard of or I knew of through like my gaming early online days, but that I've never really like played and delved into. Mm-hmm. Um but it's really fun to like get back into that story and have a book that does such a good job of playing between the two. Because like you said, there's one that's a video game where you can play a story and you're you're stuck in that storyline and you're stuck in those graphics and you can kind of explore within it. Um, whereas a book kind of lets you like create this own reality of what it looks like in your own head. Mm-hmm. And this book does a good job of like, blending the two.
2: Oh, nice. Where it kind
1: of like it, it gives specific storyline information of like keeping you on track, but also allows you to kind of explore your mind's expanses in it. Nice. Um so I think that's pretty cool. I um, wish
2: I had read it. Yeah i ruined it
0: you still can I can I know I totally can I wonder how much the movie and the
1: book are different because it's pretty classic for movies and books to be just entirely different you know a director takes their specific way around hitting this highlight of it and whatnot mm-hmm. um, but yeah because that was always a thing for me gaming was definitely my escape in my mm-hmm. own way and um, I kind of got um, in my opinion I'll use the word lost in the world of first person shooters mm-hmm. which I think kind of destroys the wonder of video games. Yeah. We need more storytelling games and less online multiplayer games.
2: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, and
1: that it, yeah. That's
2: it, a, that's a whole, <laughs> that's a whole heavy topic. Cause, yeah, I, cause I love. Did you play League of Legends?
1: I have some friends who really did. Her son really did. I played it for about three weeks yeah. and then I stopped.
2: I got super into it when it was still fairly new. It had only been around for like maybe a year or less and um you know specifically being a female and playing that game I felt absolutely compelled to be good at it really good at it I did not want to play that game and be bad at it so I spent embarrassing amounts of time playing it and um and I got I got pretty good at it I'm not gonna act like I was like top notch but especially because the game was still early on like I was able to get in there and do my thing and feel you know, really good about myself before starting a new match and doing it all over again because it's so (laughs) addictive. Um, But after like six months of that, I just, I hit such a wall and I felt, I was unhappy. And Mm -hmm. I was like, hang on a second. For me, video games are supposed to be a thing that make me feel good, Mm -hmm. like in a larger way and not this instant gratification. And I'm just getting pissed off at people and I have people disrespecting me and um, I'm now hiding the fact that I'm female and all this stuff and so at that moment I was just like mm, uninstall and I was just done and I walked away from it and it was a really good decision because at that time I then ended up buying a used camera and ah,
0: <laughs> switched wow. gears yeah. think of all that time it, it's,
1: it's very complex because like you said video games can be this phenomenal escape from the real world. And that's the amazing juxtaposition of Ready Player One, which I think you really need to read, babe. I'm down. Because she hasn't played <laughs> video games,
0: um, I am fantastic at Tetris.
1: <laughs> she is oh, unreal nice. at Tetris. So good at Tetris. Unreal. Oh, like, love it, unreal. Like I watch her and blows my mind. <laughs> it is <ridiculous. laughs> my brain
0: loves Tetris.
1: But she's not like she like tried to get into playing video games because she has a son and tried to play around. Both my little kids bit love
0: and... video games. Bailey does too. They uh, the challenge I have with some video games, especially the more modern ones, is I get a little nauseous. Mm, okay do you have an astigmatism uh no Mm.
1: i wonder if anything would be different now that you got your
0: interesting i haven't done it since i had lasik i did have very poor eyesight though yeah and actually that's true i think there was a little astigmatism in my left eye now that i now that i think about it but yeah, I, I do it get for sure. very nauseous even watching them play even if I wasn't playing it like I cannot look at this swooping views and moving orientation so much um, but yeah I wonder if it would be different now.
1: Yeah, I can't do like 4D things I can't go on rides at Disney World her and I I get yeah. so nauseous uh, we, we went to Disney World and we were like let's ride all these rides and like after the first one I was like oh, I need to sit down for like 30 minutes. What was pee- the uh. game
0: that you and Bailey and Jackson were all playing religious For a little while there, we got it for them for Christmas a couple years ago. Uh, That one I I was really curious to play.
1: It's um,
0: the 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 main player just looked like a badass.
1: Yeah, isn't it that she? The girl runs around with like a bow and arrow and like a spear. It was recently like one of those just crazy new video games that was super popular. Um,
0: Oh.
2: I know what it is, yeah, but yeah. I can't think of yeah. the that's name that's of that. it because my brain is have, so tired. I'll have to look right that now. up.
1: Um, but that one was super cool because it was a storyline that you get to play mm-hmm. in a you know vast open world, um, which was which I was, was cool. Definitely think about It's like about her that. as a human playing against machines. Oh, and there are cool. other machines in the world. That is you it
0: an indie to... title?
1: No. Will like you a, look
0: yeah. it up? It's going to drive me batty until you look it up. <laughs> we need a producer to look up this kind of stuff while right. we're talking. Um, but that was one of the ones that all three of them would just be up there captivated. And finally, my daughter's like, Mom, I think you would really like this. Come up and just watch. And and it was an interesting and enjoyable one to watch someone else play, which I think is rare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, and it didn't make me nauseous at all.
1: Horizon Zero Dawn. Yes. Oh,
0: yeah. OK.
1: And so... Um, yeah, My friend amazing. who's big into video games um, posted about it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And then, yeah, me and Bailey just got down the rabbit hole of this game. Uh, but that's what I was going to say is you need to read the book because it's it's cool because it brings up all these 80 pop culture hmm. timing and it was written in like 2011 or something. So it's definitely
0: my eighties kid for sure. Yeah.
1: And that's where, because you are an eighties kid, but you never played video games. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of is, but you read books. So it's like, yeah. it allows you to tell this story inside of it, but it's a really interesting juxtaposition because he's in what is now uh futuristic virtual reality mm-hmm. in the sense that like he basically puts on a bodysuit and plays video games, and he like lives in a virtual reality world where he can reconnect with everyone.
0: Oh, this is so your kind of story. Oh, totally, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that's what it was about.
1: But it's but he talks about it, and he literally gets to go on the coolest adventures, and he becomes a superstar. But at the same time, he's living alone in an apartment and has no friends and no family and nobody.
0: Oh, that's sad. And,
1: but that's kind of what her and I were talking about: is that video games were this escape in yourself, and then we added in player versus player and online multiplayer, mm-hmm. which I think can be really cool and really fun and really expansive. Like I remember playing Halo with my friends and we could play online, mm-hmm. but we could join up in the same room that we could play the maps as if we were playing solo. Mm-hmm. And then you've got this like added teamwork ability. And um, then that became my thing. Cause like when I was younger, I loved to play video games solo but I liked a lot more when I had a friend who would play him next to me. Oh, yeah. I would even like, my buddy, if if we had, like we used to play like Harvest Moon on N64 Aww, and oh like gosh. you can only Cute. play one player. Yeah. And so he would set it up on his TV and I would set it up on my TV and we would play as if we're <laughs> in the adorable. same world even yeah. though we can't interact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love that we have this ability to interact with other people now, but I feel like it has started to devolve in these things and for the most popular one right now is Fortnite,
0: mm-hmm. and her
1: daughter loves Obsessed. Fortnite. she sits and yeah. plays it for so long and i get it because i was that way with the halo franchise like i spent a long time playing <laughs> halo um and just stuck in multiplayer mm-hmm. and you're 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 basing your skill off of other people's skill mm-hmm. and you're am i better than that person what is my leaderboard ranking like what's yeah. my accuracy and percentage and it's all these specifics that like is is just comparison And the quote that I love, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In this comparison in video games, like you said, like if I'm going to be a girl playing this game, I better be damn good because there's a bunch of douchebags on there that would be like, oh, you're a girl. It happens.
0: Jordan rarely plays video games at this point, but when he does, there's times where after I'll be like, was that enjoyable? Because you seem like not very happy and more stressed out than you were three hours ago. And so I've noticed the more he's connecting those dots, the less and less that he plays, um, or he'll go in and play with a and 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 check himself regularly throughout mm-hmm. playing. Like, I'm here to have fun. This is gonna be fun. <laughs> I'm gonna have fun. Usually, once it's not fun. I'm gonna turn it off. Yeah. I'm
1: fucking garbage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: over and over. I know. I was like I'm ready to record him the other day because I was sitting there doing work while he was playing and he would just over and over god I'm so bad at this god I'm garbage and I'm like what Well, again it's because I'm
1: comparing myself to the days when I was playing regularly when I played every day and I had a team and like I was good
2: yeah well I mean the amount of time you have to pour into it to get to that level you know is just kind of inordinate honestly and with the volume of people that game now and the competition level that's out there you depending on what you're going for you kind of have to dedicate everything to it which um is extensive it's excessive you know i think it's excessive and f- for some people for a period of time that may work but i personally just feel like there's a lot out there and a lot that everybody has to offer everybody has an individual gift and i i kind of subscribe to my personal belief is that um it's our duty to figure out what that is and then to start expressing that you know um, and so when you get sucked into the whole video game world and especially the competitive video game
0: world it's um it's a slippery slope you know and i think and you'll know pretty quickly if that's your gift
2: yeah like you'll know oh, if you're sure. like one of
0: those phenoms and that's your gift then yeah keep going that route exactly. but for most people yeah. it's not where they should be devoting uh, what is it, yeah, 16,000 hours, 10,000 hours. 10,000
1: hours, yeah. I oh, always wonder yeah. if that was one of those routes because like, the idea of being a professional gamer mm-hmm. like, was just starting to come to, into existence when I was playing. It was like, yeah. oh, yeah, you could play, but like, you really can't make any money, and now you've got kids that are making millions of dollars per year totally. streaming themselves playing live. Yeah. <laughs> I look at it, I'm like, maybe you could have done that, but I don't know.
2: Yeah. Well, I also think that everybody has multiple there are just so many branching pathways and at any given moment you can choose a different pathway and decide that you're going to go down this one instead of that one but it's hard not to feel that what if all the time I Mm -hmm. mean that's something that I constantly struggle with because I have a lot of interests and I mean just recently I started getting into fire spinning and I didn't know anything about it and I was like I'm just gonna figure this out as I go you know and that was my entry point into Burning Man which was really cool but um I can't do everything you know nobody can do everything but I think also we as individuals have so many things we could potentially do and it's up to you to decide how you spend your time you know, you know? so
1: many so many minutes in a day oh my gosh did you ever play fable
2: uh yeah i did wow <laughs> the reason just, i brought up fable back.
1: was because that was like one of the og games as far as my memory and my recollection of my gaming days that mm-hmm. you had a bunch of choices to make
2: mm-hmm. and, and
1: and every action you made had a reaction totally yeah that was a, positive a, a, a revolutionary
2: game at the time i think yeah, I, I was like totally good. Like, yeah. The goody-goody. I, every decision I made, I think I accidentally did something bad and I, re- I turned the game off. <laughs> I was just like, no, I can't. I can't live with this.
0: Because your fun.
2: character, if you do bad things, if you do enough bad things, you eventually grow horns oh, and wow. your character
0: gets you
1: like, like, really either evil. either become like... Like
2: morphs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you could like, and you're and
0: like, I'm going to be a There good was Fable girl. 1, 2, yeah.
1: and 3, and you could have different instances of it that you could play. So you could have, like, one saved game was one way and one saved way was another way. And so, like, we would do that. Like, my friend and I would just go Did in and be as homes? bad as we could. Oh, okay. And, That's but, I mean, the, the idea is, like, you go in and, like, there's a random person and it's a um an npc and you run up to them and you're like all right i'm gonna attack you and you just start like attacking people and breaking stuff in the town and then you get like bad points and people are scared of you and (laughs) it was was a really really interesting game on how that played out um
0: because you were a good boy so was it like an interesting thing for you well i was the same way
1: i always went the good route but then it was one of those like oh it could be kind of fun i wonder what would happen yeah that was why i brought it up because that idea of like what would happen if I did this? What would happen if I had chosen this route instead of that route? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where Horizon Zero Dawn was really cool too. And I think a lot of games are similar to that now. You can like choose a response and rather than Fable, which was like good or evil, you -hmm. can like choose a response that's like, using your heart or your mind or your muscles I think I don't remember oh, the cool. specific of it but it allowed you to build character traits based off of choices that you made on do you help this person do you give them advice or do you say screw you, you know? yeah
0: that's cool so that makes me I have a similar path with that would choose your own adventure books. (laughs) Oh, I used to read those. That was that was basically it. Like there wasn't a technology behind it, obviously, but you'd Mm -hmm. get to that point in the book where you'd have to decide what you were going to do and then you'd go to that page Mm -hmm. and then your story goes from there. And I just love how... Similar video games and books can be, if you think of them in that respect. And as a parent, it's really easy to get caught up in the video games are bad, and they're going to make you go out and shoot up a school or mm-hmm. you know, you're going to become dumb because you're staring at a screen too much. But I've actually never really limited my kids on video games. Like, I will to a certain degree, I'll have conversations with them similar to with Jordan of like, how are you feeling right now? Are you feeling anxious? Are you feeling stressed or angry? Are you not enjoying this? Like maybe you should take a break or do something else for a little while. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I I think see them very similar to other outlets like reading, where if it's sparking your creative drive and you're getting caught up in a really well written story with beautiful imagery, like
1: yeah, my argument. Is it can that's the be fantastic. Grand Theft Auto true mm-hmm. <laughs> you know where most of the game really is just running around shooting people and oh, getting yeah. as many stars the first as possible. time I
0: saw Bailey playing that game I was like what is this and she told me what she was doing within the game and I was like oh my god oh my god oh my god I was like what do I do what do I do but thankfully she moved on from that game pretty quickly oh good yeah yeah,
2: yeah. So, I'm not a fan of that
1: one no so without getting too spaghetti uh so you get to kind of uh, still craft those ideas and stories. Maybe maybe you're not this doing it specifically. No, and maybe yeah. maybe no, you're not doing it. But I mean, in in the context of Nintendo, you get to be a part of a community that still creates storylines. Yeah. Are there are there games that have come out recently within Nintendo that you feel um, encompass that idea of allowing this like old school story to come through that doesn't feel you know, not just gimmicky and game. PvP ridiculousness
2: um, well i personally am a huge fan of breath of the wild zelda the new zelda ah, game gotcha. yeah i'm um, like you
1: guys, i was you never guys a huge play. zelda person oh, but everyone always talks about it and i'm yeah. super tempted
2: oh yeah if if you I've were to play it. any new nintendo titles i would highly recommend that one because it's very open world it's gorgeous it's humorous it's well written um it's expansive it's challenging yeah you should play it okay. that's all i'm gonna say you should just play it i would love
0: <laughs> if you played something like that it's beautiful
2: it's such a Halo. beautiful game <laughs> yeah do you guys do you guys have a uh, switch Nintendo no switch? Did, did, jackson does did he sell it no does he still, he still it? has it all right so her yeah we have one. it okay then you should probably play breath okay. of the Wild. You won't regret it. And I feel like, Antonella, you would probably really dig it too because there's just, you get into certain areas and it's just like the wind is rustling in the grass and you'll be totally peaceful. And then all of a sudden, this like giant rock monster will start attacking you and you're (laughs) screaming and running in the opposite direction. (laughs) But it's just, um, it's really, it's really gorgeous. Um, I love it. I love it so much.
0: I would love to find a game that we could play. Can we play it together? Is that how that works, or is it um, single? it's single player, but you know, you could
2: take you could definitely take turns, mm-hmm. and if you have it up on the TV, it's so enjoyable to just watch, to watch yeah. someone playing that game. Yeah. I love playing it, but I also love pe- watching people play. It. I would
0: need to watch him play it first just because I'm so not a video gamer that I would definitely need to watch. Yeah, and that learn. was Zelda
1: for me. I had a lot of friends that played, and so like Tyler, my neighbor, would play, and I would love to sit and watch him because it was mm-hmm. cool to watch the game, but I was never particularly like delved into it um yeah and and that's where not to go back to ready player one again but i (laughs) I love the idea of being able to play multi-person in this expansive world Mm -hmm. i don't know because i I love that community aspect in -hmm. its own way which i feel like is being lost i feel like there, there was two different types of video games. There was play video games solo for the solo story and then be able to play like my all-time favorite was Donkey Kong.
2: Oh, like, nice. Donkey Kong was yeah. just my
1: thing. And oh, yeah, I love
2: Donkey
0: Kong. Diddy Kong,
1: Kong and you could switch back and forth and you mm-hmm. could jump around and that, that multiplayer action was what got me mm-hmm. and that I still love. And so I, I want to find a game that I can like, go in with another person and be able to like explore this world together and be a team and mm-hmm. I don't know that was always fun for me I got I got really stuck into World of Warcraft for like a year Oh, we can and play too. Mario Kart together <laughs> no no I love Mario Kart's amazing I love I Mario love Kart I love that game but like, that's no. the difference it's like it's that's different. just competitive yeah it's just that's me true. versus you
0: it's not mm-hmm. exploring I not. guess that's a good
1: point I love the idea of like how cool know, would it be though if
0: you could like get out of your cart and go check out <laughs> the shit over you're like hang on the I'm You park over you go, here. you go sliding around the sandbar and you're like wait wait golf. let's stop here let's go check out what's happening can you make can you make that game next
2: uh sure Thanks. I'll work on that yeah
0: sweet it's coming soon
2: um yeah, World of Warcraft was another one I got really sucked into at various intervals and played extensively. And what were you? Uh, what wasn't I? I like my, <laughs> Well, my last, um, my last main character was a hunter. Um, okay. Draenei or Draenei or however you say it. Um, hunter. Um, yeah, and I played Wrath of the Lich King was the one I got really super into, and was doing raiding and all that garbage (laughs) um (laughs) but it was just it was eating up a lot of time and and again the um the art thing happened and then that just kind of yeah, yeah my opinion it.
1: that was like the best one as far as i can recall because you could play with your friends you could get in chat rooms you could you could be this like i was an undead priest and, nice like, it was so much fun to be able to play with these different groups and i loved being able to hop into like a pvp round and do like capture the flag and stuff mm-hmm. it's just so cool to like be able to it like it it itched or it's, I guess it scratched every itch that yeah. I wanted oh, yeah. so much to the point that it just envelops your entire life. And yeah. everyone talks about it. They have to not play anymore because it'll just succumb them. But yeah. damn, I, t- I want to play that game all the time.
2: I actually, uh, like two months ago, returned to it okay. for two days. <laughs> and I downloaded it and I hopped in there and I just... I don't know. I just couldn't do it. And it was also different because so many of the people that I used to play with just don't play it anymore. Mm -hmm. So that community aspect was gone and everything was just the same. And that actually felt really weird. Like you would think I would be like, Oh yay, nothing's changed. But I was kind of bugged out. I'm like, it's just, <laughs> Everybody's just doing the same things, yeah, and like just bleeding time into this game that's just not doing for anything. <laughs> I know <laughs> it's just like I can't, I can't do it. So like two nights I played it, and I played my, I had a Worgen that I was playing like a male Worgen warrior, and uh, yeah, I just was like, I'm sorry, buddy, I gotta leave you forever, <laughs> forever, <laughs> forever. I texted yeah.
0: my son, and he has. Breath of the Wild. For, oh, for awesome! Switch, so yeah, we're gonna go. have to try that out. You, like, should, you, know. you should.
2: You should. I'm excited. Really, it's really a fantastic game. I mean, I probably sound partial, That's and okay. I probably am, but I think also I'm not.
1: But the, the same person who told me to play Horizon Zero Dawn also is obsessed with them okay yeah the game mm-hmm.
0: he, so. he just resp- I s- he said why do you want to know and i said because we're talking to Kendra and she works at nintendo and says <laughs> highly recommends and he's like okay well i'm playing it right now though i think he wants he thinks we want to play it right now oh that's great
1: Cute. yeah he's definitely he got deep in the world of video games and he's kind of pulled himself out um but I think that was very much his escape as a kid too, who's mm-hmm. always buying the new video game. Every time he got any money, he would just spend it on buying a new video game and then he games would go sell and it and then buy a new game. He's
0: gone so, through all of them. Oh wow. He's
1: very entrenched. He's in gonna that be world. really
0: jealous when he knows that we're talking to you right now and he's not Uh-oh. in here for it. He would be asking you all sorts of questions. <laughs> oh, but I'll gosh.
1: but I'll go back to Antonella's question when I veered back into video games so because oh, I wasn't yeah. done with them. Yeah, we
0: went deep into the video game yeah. territory.
1: But but I guess that's the question. In In Ready Player One, he's got no family Mm -hmm. and he's kind of the same thing. He raised himself on video games Mm -hmm. Um, and you can use that analogy for so many different people. I mean, for some, uh, like Jackson, it's like, all right, I've got a single mom and she's working and so I, you know, love this video game. For me, I had to fully their parents but there was my own issues going on with them and trying to escape certain realities in my own way and I think everyone has it no matter what your situation is you mm-hmm. still have that desire to escape especially as a young child mm-hmm. um and so I think Anthony's question was more along the lines of like what was that depth for you that really made you go into the world of video
2: games um so I'll just I'm just gonna go deep because go for it why Please. not um Basically, my mom was an alcoholic, bipolar, ah, uh, highly abusive, like emotionally and physically, and all those things. And so, the landscape of my life growing up was very tumultuous, very dark, and just generally super messed up. Um, and so
0: was yeah, was it a single parent household, or do you have a dad or no?
2: Um. I, my my dad, uh, like my parents were married at the time and they were married for 18 years. Um, so I grew up with them raising me and my older brother. Um, but it was just, yeah, and, and then we moved around a lot because my mom was constantly wanting to start over. She wanted to start over fresh somewhere, start mm-hmm. over fresh. And then um, we were also uh, Jehovah's Witness. So I was raised in that community. So there was just like, there's a lot to it. It's, yeah. it's really weighty. Um, and so that was a huge part of my desire to escape. Um, in addition to that, I, you know, I was drawing all the time. That was actually my artistic outlet as a kid was like constantly drawing, like from the age of three until like 15 or so, I was just constantly drawing um, and then reading books, Um, but yeah, uh, it was just, it was rough, you know, like everybody, everybody has their struggles and their hard times and whatnot. Um, and we all find different ways to cope. And, uh, that was one of my ways to cope for sure. Do you
0: still have a relationship with her?
2: Um, she actually passed away. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So she passed away, um, five years ago, uh, May 15th and, um, this is kind of a side note, but every single year since she passed away, I do a self-portrait in her memory. And each time I do like kind of a different one. Um, but I usually involve flowers somehow. And this is the first year since she passed away where I photographed it on May 15th, but I still haven't released it. Hmm. Um, because for many reasons, um, one of them being that I've just made my schedule way too freaking busy the past 6 months um but i also think there's kind of a it's been a hard pill to swallow to look at the fact that it's been 5 years because it feels not but um but yeah uh
0: that's that <laughs> did your mom get your escapism you think at the time do you think she I, I, I just know as some parents uh, might get frustrated with kids who are diving their nose into video game. Like, Do you think she understood that the, the world that she was creating for you was less than ideal and probably not really within her control since she was self-medicating? Yeah, um, Was she fine with you doing all sorts of gaming and being in your own kind of fantasy world? Well, um, to be totally honest, I don't know how much she noticed because Mm
2: -hmm. she was so deeply entrenched in her own issues all the time um so I spent a lot of time just alone as a kid which was very character building (laughs) um and is a huge part of who I am today but but at the same time um I don't want to discredit my mom because she was very self-aware um she knew how much damage she was causing but like you said self-medicating and kind of not knowing how to how to not you Mm -hmm. know she was just so deeply addicted and so messed up from her own childhood and then kind of continuing the cycle and um yeah so i mean she knew that both my brother and i my older brother also played a lot of games um she knew that we both did, but, but we had other hobbies too. Like, um, my older brother got super into skateboarding and then I followed in his footsteps mm-hmm. and skateboarded constantly. And so that was like a really big part of my teenage years and stuff. Um, but generally speaking, we were always kind of trying to get away in some regard, but how much older was your brother? Two uh, years? two years. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, well, like a year and nine months, but
1: yeah. Was your dad around for much of it? Cause you said he was there.
2: Yeah, um, he was, he absolutely was. Um, and he was, you know, it was, it was really hard to see his reactions and response to my mom. Um, but then when I was around the age of like 12, he started traveling for business. So he would be going over to Thailand Mm. and Japan and Singapore and he'd be over there for two weeks and then he'd come home for two weeks and then he'd go away for two weeks. Mm. He was traveling like crazy. So, um, Yes. I mean, definitely in my my younger years, he was around it all the time. But, you know, how do you deal with <gasps> yeah. that? I understand. <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: do you did his travels in Asia influence your interest in Asian culture at all?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, because the first time he went abroad, he went to Thailand and he brought back this um, hand carved elephant puppet. And the one thing I remember most distinctly about it was it smelled like spices. It smelled like what Thailand apparently smells like, according to my dad. I just remember him handing it to me and it was just wafting this very distinct um, really pleasant smell, and I was just like,
0: "What is this magical object? <laughs> well, how do I go to this magical place?" Yeah, that smells?
2: yeah, it smells so good. Um, but yeah, and then he was also going to Japan all the time, so I got really fixated on Japan in my early twenties, and I was studying Japanese. And um, for a while there, I was convinced that I was going to move to Japan. But then I went to Japan when I was twenty five, and I love it. It's a really cool and fun place totally don't want to live there yeah hmm. <laughs> so yeah that's yeah that.
1: her son I guess my son
0: yeah <laughs> we're married um
1: he's he was definitely quite into Japanese culture mm-hmm. um he's
0: in his second year of Japanese yeah though.
1: so we um when we were helping him kind of plan out his schedule freshman year we that so we're like, dude, you, language wise, you should hop into Japanese. Yeah, so absolutely. He's in his second year of Japanese now. Um, so
2: cool. Yeah. I wish that I had had that he's yeah, a little right that bit hinge.
0: he's a little bit like uh, I don't know what I'm actually gonna do with this so I hope this yeah. isn't a waste of time so
1: classic 15 year old though yeah. at that moment just being like why am I doing this like this is a really hard language why am I trying to learn it and, yeah um I because think he's kind it's of,
0: awesome yeah exactly. and I think I
1: think he'll enjoy it <laughs> yeah later
0: I think it's yeah. helpful this year he has a I mean, they just started. They're only, what, only four days. Four days into school, but right away, he said his teacher this year is awesome and young and inspiring and into it. And I've already gotten three emails from the teacher saying like wow. what they're doing and what her plan is for the year, which for high school is very nice she must and be involved yeah she's still <laughs> passionate about it so hopefully she hasn't that'll... gotten
2: like whittled away yet, mm-hmm. down exactly. into like a little nub yep. exactly. that's Yeah, that's so sad
0: yeah so it's, <laughs> but it's kind of oh. interesting how all of these things you know the gamer and then you're into the japanese culture and you're into art and he's like i said a pisces which is your moon and um i know that he's very creative but he s- hasn't quite found it yet and Mm -hmm. i want to help push him in that direction like if there if you could go back to your 15 year old self like would you have any suggestions for for a young kindred or that i can give to my son of like helping him figure out what it is that he should be tapping into or how to find that he's really into music right now and he started to kind of uh write some stuff and but he's also very great at, you know, he went through a stint where he was drawing a lot and really wanted to do like anime. And then that's kind of gone to the wayside. And he'll go through these spurts where he's really into games or really into reading. He'll read a book in a couple of days. So I don't really know how to help him find help him, the right like, direction. Direct his energy. But he's so loving and he's so, he's just, yeah, he's amazing little sparkle of energy. It's just figuring out how to help get him in the right direction. I don't
2: that's really tricky um because yeah I definitely have gone through so many phases where I was trying out a bunch of different things Mm -hmm. and then kind of shelving those things one by one um if there are electives that you can have him take that really helped me at the time because I took photography as an elective Mm -hmm. and I also took um like, a three-day animation class um, as an elective, which really got me gung-ho about that at the time, which when I first was, like, looking into the video game field, I was like, maybe I can become an animator. But then I decided that wasn't a thing I was as interested in. But I don't know, honestly. It's so I, hard. I Especially feel bad. you just found... Like, you I don't know that well, I have Well, you just found your thing that. a
0: few years ago, so maybe he just needs to be 30. <laughs> but what, what, what was
2: interesting was, like... Um, it was a passion of mine in high school, because mm. I was, when I took that photography class, and even after that, I would take pictures of my friends, and I would, like, put makeup on them and put weird clothes on them mm, and, like, take okay. their photos. so it was there. Yeah, it was there, but I didn't, I didn't know it at the time, and then... I just kind of stumbled back into it and took photos of the same friend that I had photographed in high school. I had her come over and I took some photos of her and I just felt this like spark of energy and I was like, whoa, this is super fun. And yeah, and it took off from there. But I feel like there are seeds of passion that you have as a kid innately and Mm -hmm. it may take time for him like later on down the road to find it he may find it now though I mean some some kids definitely do what's weird to me is that I didn't end up doing something with drawing because Mm -hmm. that was that was just seriously from toddler toddler age Mm -hmm. all the way into my teenage years and then now I you know I only do it in privacy and I don't really share it and I you know I'll sketch out my concepts and stuff but um it's weird to me because that was such a thing, but now it's not. Yeah, so don't well, know. don't
0: you think drawing is just kind of limited, though? Your little mind that got wrapped up in the technological side of video games is probably sees all of the possibilities that you could create through the computer and through the photography lens that it's pretty hard to do just by, you know, drawing. It. I mean,
2: it depends on how you look at it because... The photography too can be really limiting mm-hmm. you know i mean if i'm working with real things and people and then i'm trying to create these these you know completely different worlds that don't exist and i'm trying to make it look believable i am working within certain constraints there too so for me the notion of drawing or advancing that into painting become becomes pretty limitless if your skill level can get there. Mm. You know, and if you if you've put in enough time to become what you consider to be good enough to bring those concepts from your head out into the world because um I don't know if you're familiar with James Jean, he's a mm-hmm. painter, illustrator freaking incredible his work is so incredible and so expansive and his ideas are just so bizarre (laughs) and some of them are really dark and um just stunningly beautiful and he's just put he's i mean he's incredibly talented but you know he's put in so many hours and he can create images that i only wish i could reach that far with my photography and like maybe someday I could but I also think that that medium is kind of limiting in certain ways Right. so yeah
1: so if you had a specific medium at the moment and my guess would just go straight to photography but if you had a specific medium at the moment and you didn't have to go to work and spend your time working at a company Mm -hmm. what medium would you want to put the most time and effort into to get good
2: um I honestly I think I would actually start exploring painting because I do see that that seed of passion as I was saying from my childhood is there and it's so prominent that it's hard for me to ignore it so to look at where I've gone with my photography and then think about the potential of where I could go if I started going more of the illustration and painterly route um It's pretty exciting to me, you know, Um, if I I devoted the time to it. Right now, I'm so (laughs) chopped into so many pieces and, you know, time is finite. So I haven't been putting the energy into it, but I want to and I keep thinking about it. It's just if I do that, then I have like something has to give somewhere else in my Mm -hmm. life. And Mm -hmm. so far, I haven't really been willing to. To give, to give up anything else. Yeah, fair enough. So I just stay up really late all the time and don't <laughs> sleep enough and I'm kind of a basket case constantly. And so
0: that is- that's that was gonna lead into my next question. How do you keep all this balance? Do you have any self-care routines or things that you do? And, and are there any telltale signs when you're starting to get out of balance? What is this balance you speak yeah, of? Yeah, it's a thing, <laughs> I
2: promise. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I, well, so my intention for 2017 was to have more balance in my life because it is an area I deeply struggle with and I actually think that's a huge part of why I'm so drawn to yoga because yoga is about balance in every sense of the word and um, it's it's one of the few times I allow myself to slow down enough and just breathe. Um I definitely know when I'm out of balance. I've been very out of balance for the last six months. I have put way too much on my plate. I have a very hard time saying no um, for lots of reasons. Um, One of those reasons is I don't want to miss opportunities. I feel so compelled to do so much, and I do feel so, like life is so short. I want to do as much as possible, but then the problem is I'm – burning the candle at both ends and i don't actually have as much to give when i do that which i innately understand but have a hard time following my own (laughs) innate understanding um for self-care yoga is a huge part of it and i haven't been doing enough of it lately because i haven't been giving myself the time and i've been so tired that it's like the instant i stop working i just crash out you know Mm -hmm. which is just not a healthy space to be in um what, yeah, I spending time in nature is a huge self-care thing for me. Even if it's just going for a 20-minute walk outside, I have to get out in nature. If I don't get out there and I don't see some leaves and hear some birds and get some rain on my face, um, I get, I just get really erratic um, and emotionally kind of sloppy, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I keep it pretty contained. But um, internally, it's very stormy when I don't attempt to keep a balance. But yeah, I mean, I thinking about it, I did the fire troop um, thing for Burning Man, which was honestly a pretty big commitment because on top of that, I was working 40 to 60 hours a week. And producing um, a small body of work, five new pieces for a gallery show in August, which happened the week before Burning Man. Oh, man. And also planning Burning Man and then um, doing, you know, shoots here and there. And I know there's a bunch of other stuff I'm leaving off, but it was just ridiculous. And I knew it was ridiculous and I almost felt embarrassed of how much I was doing. So... (laughs) Yeah, like where I didn't even want to tell people because I was just like, I felt like such a basket case and I didn't want people to know how crazy I was being with all the stuff But as an
0: artist, does it feel sort of like feast or famine? Do you feel like when you're on a creative role and there's a lot of good opportunities, you got to do it because you might hit this stagnant period where you're feeling uninspired or a little bit stuck or there aren't maybe as many ways that you're able to express what you want to get out there? Yeah, I think there's definitely that,
2: whether or not I've... um, consciously realized it at the time that's definitely a factor um opportunities come up and if they're good ones you you do want to take them because you know they may not come up again um Mm -hmm. and you just you just don't know um and i there's something about being in this manic creative space that i really like Mm -hmm. um even though i recognize it as being what I would define as not entirely healthy. Um, I like it. I like when I get into this crazy creative zone and I'm, um, in the flow as some people would say, and I'm staying up until two to four AM just working on images and, um, just cranking stuff out, you know, um, it feels exhilarating and it's highly addictive to, um, but then I have this kind of crash and burn, where I'll have a few months of this manic creative cycle, and then after I've produced everything, um, I just I just crash out for like a couple months, even where I'm just sleeping, going to bed at like 10 p.m., which for me is super early, um, and not really doing. Anything.
0: But is that your only vice? Like, do you have any other vices that you would say that are addictive to you, or that you? that you kind of get caught up in in a way that's maybe not great for your health or is this your only vice? Cause I don't personally think it's, I mean, if you, if you're aware of it and you can foresee it and the people in your life have compassion for it, I don't necessarily <laughs> think it's that bad to have these times where you're like 100% go mode and then these times where you're like, all right, it's Monday, I have nothing on my schedule and I'm literally not getting out of bed. Like, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but mm-hmm. that's kind of similar to the life that we have right now. And so mm-hmm. I, I kind of get that and I don't necessarily think it's that bad. It's just very different than what we were told we're supposed to do.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, for me, though... I would say the workaholic thing is my biggest vice mm-hmm. and there are worse vices to have for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've found is when I'm in a really deep overworking space, um, my anxiety just goes through the freaking roof. Yeah. And then if I'm not doing yoga, um, it just gets, it compounds and it gets much worse and I just don't even, I don't know, I get I get irritable, uh, which is not a way I want to be, and it's not a thing I identify with, but I start getting that way where I'm just really impatient, and I feel like I don't even want to stop and sit, you know, because I have so much to do, and I have to go run these errands, and I have to do this and that and the other thing, and it's a really frantic way of being when I'm in that space, so I think, um,
0: Well, the decision making that you'd mentioned earlier, I'm sure that gets even harder if it's already hard for you to be a a decision making person. Mm -hmm. You add in the anxiety and the not having slept and the irritability (laughs) and you're like, I just I just can't make this choice right now. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Or I just make decisions that I might later regret or I say yes too much. Um, Yeah. So there are definitely worse things for sure. But um, but it can get it can get pretty bad. You know, I don't know where I'm just like, I I literally can't take a break. I, I won't even let myself take a break for 15 minutes. Is because... there a
0: fear associated with that? Are you scared to just stop? Or does it feel isolating or lonely or um, like you're failing at something? Are you, do you are you supposed to achieve a certain amount somewhere in the back of your mind or your heart?
2: Yeah, I think I hold myself to pretty impossible standards. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I also just have... Uh, so many things on my list that need to be done and I can see them in my brain and you know and I'm like I could sit here for 15 minutes and breathe or I could use this 15 minutes to go get gas in my car and pick up groceries (laughs) you know what I mean And like how quickly can I get through the grocery store and get all the stuff I need so that when I get home I can you know and it's just like yeah I don't know so yeah I hold myself to these really really impossibly high standards and also they're in Then when I achieve things, um, I don't always take the time to appreciate the efforts I've put in because I'm already looking to the next thing and thinking, okay, well, that's really cool that I did that and yay, good job. And I kind of pat myself on the back for, you know, maybe a day and then I'm like, all right, well, I, but now I need to start working on this next thing. And it's this very goal oriented kind of obsessive space. And in some ways it's good. And I think a lot of, um, I think societally, um, you really get congratulated for working your ass off and not taking breaks Mm -hmm. and achieving all these things and then sharing it on social media, you know, and you get that instant gratification of people telling you like, yay, good job, you're awesome. But it's it's a cycle that I think needs to be reexamined. And I think social media has exacerbated it in people who are overachievers and hard workers. And, yeah, I don't know. That's all I have for that. Yeah. I right know.
0: <laughs> Do you? I'm curious when you take that moment, maybe it's not a long enough moment, but you take that moment to pat yourself on the back or say, you know, job well done. Is there a critical side to that too? Do you look back at your what other people would look at it as an achievement? Do you look at it with a scope of like, eh, this went wrong or, oh, I could have done that better? Because I know that Jordan deals with that with a lot of what you described anxiety-wise and the pressures and the needing to do all the things. I know he really feels... And then I also notice he has this side of him that doesn't, not only doesn't let him have that moment of like, you did a great job, but he almost sabotages it with uh, repeating verbally to himself and to other people what didn't go well. And mm-hmm. it's like, whoa, 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 like take a second. Don't worry about that. And just like revel in the moment that you you accomplished something, whether or not it was to the standard that you are at. Do you have that critical eye or or verbal attacking of yourself? Oh, yeah.
2: Um, Yeah, it's always a, well, you did a good job, but But." (laughs) you could have done these 10 other things differently, and it would have been even better. Or, you know, somehow that benchmark that you've set for yourself that seemed like such an amazing thing. And if I could just get to that thing, I'll have made it or (laughs) I can feel really, really good about myself. You get there and suddenly you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, that was good. But I don't know. It's almost like it wasn't enough. And,
0: um, That's almost why you need to keep those projects up like your six, five to look all the way back and go, Oh yeah. Like Mm -hmm. the cumulative of all of those, like whatever moments is huge. Mm -hmm. So even if I didn't, uh, let myself have that happy moment of it, it was great. At least take the time to look back at a year ago or five years ago to say, damn nice work <laughs> you
2: know totally yeah
1: yeah it seems like you kind of tend to work in cycles I mm-hmm. totally understand that feeling um the difference would be figuring out in your I guess down cycle mm-hmm. what you can do to give yourself enough self-care to build up Replenish. a little bit of energy like think about it like a a life bar you know, mm-hmm, yeah. like your health is super low. <laughs> yeah. How do you build it back up so you can go out and face the next three months of the adventure that you're about to go on? Sorry to give a video game analogy, but like no, my
0: brain works it. like that. Yeah, yeah, mine does too. So it's fine. Well, and can you <laughs> replenish before you die? <laughs> like before your character uh-huh. is literally out of bars? Like, can you find a a, a brief moment to replenish? Do you, do you calendar? Do you Are you like a calendar person scheduling?
2: Um... Like using a planner, and mm-hmm. I do, yeah. I but I mostly use my planner just to keep track of the like obligations. 5, 000, yeah. yeah, exactly the obligations. I use mine a
0: lot to map things out. So like even today, he was nose buried deep into looking for music for an upcoming show, and I was like, hey, when you got a second, I just want to go over the calendar with you. And I just went over the next couple weeks and just kind of gave him a snapshot not not to freak him out but also to be like yo like you have a lot of stuff coming up in a lot of different ways between yoga trainings and then music stuff and and then i also showed him like this day we're not going to do anything Mm -hmm. and i have to tell him that way in advance because that day will come and he'll be like oh but i should really do this and i should really do that Mm -hmm. and i'm kind of the one that's sitting here going no we're gonna stay in bed And we might get a little stony and we'll probably watch some Netflix and Mm -hmm. take lots of naps and maybe make some mac and cheese like it'll be like it has to I think it personally has to happen. Yeah, Um, because otherwise same thing we will just because we don't I think it's even worse for us because we don't have a regular nine to five at the moment spaghetti uh (laughs) but because of that uh our there's this guilt almost tied into like oh well because we're not going and clocking in like normal people it's easy to feel like we didn't get enough accomplished that day but like really like in the grand scheme of things we're getting Mm -hmm. a lot accomplished it just doesn't look like other people's schedules look and so for you i'm sure it's even worse because you have this nine to five or nine to six or whatever Mm -hmm. but then on top of that you have this whole other amazing world that you're creating and so you have to somehow squeeze that in like how do you balance that when do you when do you make the time for it is it always like after your full work day you come home slam some food down you're like all right now I'm going to get to my other job or when does all this creative work happen
2: pretty much um at this point uh when I was doing my 365 project and I also did a 52 week project after the 365 that was a photo a week for that a seems a
0: lot easier to wrap your head around I, I it can was, do that it was <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah it was much easier um it was still a commitment but it was a lot easier um but at those times I mean it was like slamming food down and immediately getting to work on the next thing um and I would do yoga on lunch breaks um at work actually because um we had like a a yoga instructor there who nice. was amazing, and she's actually she was my introduction to it. Um, but so I had some, a little bit of balance because I was doing that. You had a routine, to, yeah, yeah. I had a very regimented routine, and for me, and for a lot of creative people, that is the way to go—like to have a routine. But also, my routine was, um, it didn't have those off days like what you're mentioning, and um, probably it needed it. Um, but now at this point, um, work kind of, my artwork kind of ebbs and flows, and I make my schedule a little more bearable, I guess, um, where I, I, I'm mostly right now creating images for um, shows. But then I'm also doing like some commission shoots and right now I'm actually working on some book covers, which is super exciting. Ooh,
0: that's exciting. Yeah,
2: it's super cool. Um, but it's it's um it's more balanced in that way. But when I have a deadline, it is very much like I go to work, I come home, I feed myself, I tend to my pets, and then I sit down and I continue to work and I work until, you know, very late at night. Um and then I get up and rinse repeat and then my weekends are just like cram as much in as possible work-wise and there's just there's just no um, consideration for having a a day where I spend the day in bed even in this zone where I'm at now where I just completed this body of work and did my performance of Burning Man and yada 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 Um, I am crashing pretty bad right now I'm getting tired earlier and all that but I have other deadlines already coming up and so I just actually when I think you posted about how you guys schedule in days off a fuck it day yeah (laughs) Yeah. I I remember reading that and thinking oh my god that is the best freaking idea I need to do that why am I not doing that and I scheduled one day in like that and then I haven't done it since because yeah. I felt so guilty. You felt guilty. Well, yes. maybe start with, so guilty. start with baby steps. Start with baby steps. Start with
0: like a half day, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a full day is a little bit of a big commitment for you. But, you know, even a half day where you just, you're making, a, you still have appointments, but yeah. your appointment is with yourself. And mm-hmm. it's or, non-negotiable. Or you set
1: a, you know a nine o'clock deadline, mm-hmm. I'm done with everything by nine o'clock. Yeah. And then you're nine o'clock to midnight. You get to indulge in whatever you want to watch yeah. a movie or whatever. And yeah, that means whatever your deadline is, is going to be pushed back a little bit, or you're going to have more work the next night, mm-hmm. but just giving yourself that time to really be okay with it. I mean, or giving yourself permission to go take a yoga class once a week.
2: Like, no. <laughs> I, well,
0: right, no. But for me, now, if I'm I like... don't schedule it, like if it is not in the calendar, it won't happen. And when I just started to notice that that was an, an epidemic for me was when I was a newly single mom and I felt like I needed to take every client I could because there are these ups and downs, right? Where you're making a lot of money and then you're not making any money. And so I felt like I had to take them all. And then... um. I, I same thing I just was tired like all the time and I was getting short tempered with the kids and I was like something's just not right and and then I, I kind of sat back down because I put everything in my calendar. I went back through and I was counting the days that I had had since I had had an actual day off where I was not, didn't have to see a client. I didn't have to do anything like actually work related because my job is very depleting energetically, right? There's a lot of interactions with mm-hmm. people and taking on their stuff and, and creating space for people and... Uh, I had noticed that it had been like something like 40 plus days where I hadn't had a single day where I hadn't done anything. Ouch, yeah. On top of being a mom to two kids and like all of the things that, you know, cooking dinner and helping with homework and doing laundry. And I was like, whoa, that's not okay. Like Mm -hmm. people complain about, you know, the weekend goes so quick. And I was like, I didn't even know what a weekend was. Like they didn't Mm -hmm. even exist for me. So now I think that... I can I can feel it coming really quickly with me, and I definitely see it in him when it's time to just have a fuck it lazy day mm-hmm. and, and and make that a priority mm-hmm. because there are days where we're just doing things nonstop, you know. Yeah. Flying awesome. to Vegas at six in the morning and then back home at eight o'clock that night. Oh my gosh! <laughs>
1: today was my crash day.
0: Yeah, he crashed hard today. And I had to be up at eight to go to Seattle for a doctor appointment. And I was uh, like, but then ah. I still felt
1: guilty and sat and downloaded music for shows for four hours. So I know that feeling.
0: So you, you did it like a fuck it morning. You didn't yeah. take the whole day. Yeah. Now you're being productive. Well, I could sit and talk to you for hours. You're a very interesting person. Thanks.
1: But we're sitting here talking about how much shit you have to yeah. do and how stressed out you are. So, so I,
0: I do think you should go take the evening and relax a little bit. But
1: One more question. Well, you said I pets.
0: Do too.
1: Yeah. Oh. You said pets, plural. And we've yeah. met Ziggy, mm-hmm. your dog. Yeah.
0: What
2: finale. else do you have? What else do you have? I have a kitty, oh. and oh. his name is Alphador, and he is actually named after the kitty in Chrono Trigger. Nice. <laughs> Just
1: to tie it all back together. <laughs> Alphador. Yeah, and, and he's
2: missing um, his back left leg, mm-hmm. and I adopted him from the same shelter that I got Ziggy from. Um, so he's like kind of got some special needs but is an incredible cat and so sweet and Mm -hmm. you wouldn't even know it either he's like just so spry and fast and like does not let anything stop him nice like super determined (laughs) I don't know he's he's a really spunky little dude and I love him and I wake up every morning with him in my face do him and Ziggy get along um. So Ziggy is extremely sweet and doesn't give a shit about the cat like at all. He just doesn't that care. Helps. He doesn't yeah. notice the cat bullies him for no apparent reason. Mm-hmm. Like Ziggy will just he's be a cat. It's super <laughs> weird. Ziggy will just be sitting there, and Alfie will come up and just start swatting at Ziggy for no reason. And then Play Ziggy with me. or something. <laughs> and yeah. then Ziggy will walk because away I can, yeah. the because so, I can. Yeah, cat's attitude. Because I can. Yeah, yeah. Um.
0: But yeah so it's your little family it's my little family yeah. nice yeah nice. I love them. well my other question i had one more question too is mm-hmm. what do you have coming up obviously you have a lot of things coming up but mm-hmm. is there anything that we should keep a lookout i can't wait to see what you do with our images of uh, us <laughs> hiding in the fields and the flowers that's going to be really cool but mm-hmm. what what do you have coming up to share
2: Um, so right now, um, I actually don't know how much of this I can disclose, so I'll just talk about it generally, but I, um, I'm working on a book cover and I've actually been commissioned to do a trilogy for, so right now I'm working on the first cover of what will be three books and, um, it's for a pretty big name publisher and I'm really stoked about it, um, because I've done I've um I've had my images licensed for book covers before, but this is the first time I've been hired to specifically create images for the book covers., uh, so it's just super cool and um, very excited about that. and I don't know when the first book is coming out, but I feel like it's this fall, uh, and then I can talk
0: about it. <laughs> How stoked is the little you who would read the books oh. and draw the drawings to know that. Yeah, know. very, very That's pretty she, sweet. Is, she is so excited.
2: <laughs> yeah. Really um, cool. She's super, super stoked. Um, so there's that and then um pretty soon here I'm gonna need to start working in earnest on a new body of work again. Um because I have a solo show in New York at a gallery called Haven Gallery. And um, so this last one I did was a three artist feature show. Uh, So I created five pieces and I think the other two artists also created five pieces for a solo show I need to create between 12 and 15. Wow. Yeah, so it's a pretty humongous undertaking. The show isn't until June, but it's a lot of work. Um, So I'm gonna start just chipping away at it slowly so that I don't turn into a crazy person like I did. Last Uh, minute. yeah. Yeah. With um, the last just huge chunk of work, um, but yeah, so that's coming up in June, and um, I know there's something else uh, that I'm just not thinking of.
1: Well, are there any other? Are there any specific places that you want people to find your work? We'll post some links in the uh, description sure. <laughs> and whatnot. But like, cool, where can thanks. people find you?
2: Um, I have a website that's just kindrenicole k i n d r a n i k o l e Dot com. And then um, my Instagram is a pretty good place to keep up with me. That's where I post most frequently at this point. Um, my public Facebook page, I just don't. I just don't because it just doesn't reach anyone anymore, mm-hmm. which is so sad because I invested a lot
0: mm-hmm. into that like mm-hmm. back in
2: the day. Um, and I have like 140,000 followers on there, which... It's was huge. Was yeah. Pretty freaking cool, but you wouldn't believe it. Like I post a photo and it's like thirty people see it and I'm just like, dang.
1: The engagement has died. It
0: the is, it is the algorithms have really screwed people over too. Yeah. Um one thing that I that we've done and I don't know it's just a suggestion is mm-hmm. um let people know that if they're missing seeing your work mm-hmm. that they should go up and click to get post notifications. Yeah. I I have a few people that I can tell do that because there's a, we have a handful of people who like very quickly are like on it whenever I am like, how are they so fast at that? Yeah. But they're getting some sort of a note saying, Hey, yeah, posted. So
2: I did, I did that at one point with my public page, but I feel like I've just, I don't know. I don't want to say I've given up hope entirely, but mm-hmm. I, I'm a little bit jaded about the whole social media approach. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for it um, because it's allowed me to connect to, you know, like more with you guys and, and so many of the artists that I'm friends with now. But um it's just, I don't know. And and I feel like Instagram is, the wind is blowing the same way for that because mm-hmm. it's owned by Facebook. Mm-hmm. And why wouldn't they prioritize corporations and companies that have shitloads of money that can pay mm-hmm. them to, you know. So anyway, mm-hmm. that's a yeah. whole other sticky it's topic. It's tough that a bunch
1: of little communities like Flickr and all these different ones that people really got tied to then mm-hmm. started to go to the wayside because of Facebook and Instagram. And now yeah. Facebook and Instagram is this giant wasteland of garbage yeah times.
2: it's it's um actually really quickly one of the best things about being at burning man was not using my phone at all mm-hmm. except to take a couple of photos and i really only took a couple i did not take that many um but it felt so good to just get that technology mm-hmm. detox while i was Delete there Delete your
1: apps yeah oh I, yeah no i, I do that. the
2: yeah. only one i i do have the instagram app and i do open it too frequently but um <laughs> but i i'm curious to see kind of how that whole landscape is going to evolve. It's going to change
0: a lot. Yeah. It is.
2: But I just keep thinking like, God, like how has it not changed yet? Right. How, how is Facebook still a thing? And, but it, it still is. And I, I'm perpetuating it. <laughs> yeah. It's just as much as the next person.
0: <laughs> so. Well, I like to see your stuff on there. So hopefully Aww. it stays alive a little bit longer. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm Very happy cool. to share it there.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It <laughs> was an absolute pleasure.
2: Yeah. That's fun.
1: I hope we get to talk again soon.
2: Sweet. Woo.
1: Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Gravity Lift Podcast with Jordan and Antonella. If you like our show and want to find more, check out our website at gravitylift.space.
0: And when you get a sec, please rate and review us on iTunes to help us spread these vibes far and wide.